I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 13. I know. Unlucky or lucky? I choose lucky. Totally. 13 was an awkward fucking age, though. Every age is an awkward age for me. True. Same here. That's why we're friends. I mean, that's why we work. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Awkward. Okay, so, what did you do this weekend? Everything with me. (laughs) I was like, what did I do this weekend? (laughs) Nuh-uh. I went swimming Saturday without you. Oh, true. I did something else Saturday. Oh, yeah, we went shopping. Yep, for clothes and crystals. We spent a shit ton of money this weekend. Yes. Yes, we did. Well, you spent a shit ton of money this weekend. Mine was buffered a little bit. Yes. Because we went to the casino Friday night. (laughs) Big spender over there lost her ass. I did. I won. You did. (laughs) (laughs) I won $300 and bought $350 worth of clothes the next day. (laughs) So there we are. Yeah. And if you can hear this frog in the background. It's two of them. They're having a conversation. Yeah, they're podcasting. I mean, they are living their best life out there. Mm Mm-hmm. Fucking live from the lily pad. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Thank you, Carrie. Thank you. So, yeah, clothes. But then crystals, shout out Courtney. She's in our Facebook group, but she also has... A podcast called Spellcast. And she recommended a couple of different crystals for us. Yes. Based on, even based on stuff she heard us say on the podcast. I thought it was really cool. Like, yeah. She was like, which one? Well, she had this conversation with Donna, um, <laughs> but I'm going to tell it because I'm controlling. Um, she was like, which one of y'all has the iron deficiency? And I was like, well, we said Carrie in the podcast, but it's both of us. Yeah. And so she told us to get the bloodstone. Uh huh. Crystal, which we did. Mm-hmm. Which it was really pretty. Most of them, but if you just like went and picked based on pretty, I could spend a thousand dollars in there. Oh, for sure. But I was selective and only the ones I needed. Yes. Well, let me tell you a story. Okay, y'all. There was like a little sash sachet of crystals, <laughs> and it was like a little bit for love, luck, or it was like a pre-made pouch. Yeah, but for love or luck or prosperity or something some, maybe. I can't remember, but it was based on color. Like so yeah. the love ones were supposed to be in like a yellow bag and that was written in yellow. Yeah. And then the luck was in green and it was in a green bag. Blah blah yeah. blah. Well the luck was the only one left. And Carrie's like, Ooh, Donna, look at this and I was like, Oh, yeah. So she helped me get it out because we had a handful of crystals each. And let's be honest, it was too tall for her to reach. Okay, yes. Okay. AKA it was at my eye level. <laughs> Hashtag short people problems. It wasn't that that high. I mean that low. Oh, oh Lord. <laughs> anyway, like I was saying, so she gives me this satchel satchel. What? Sash <laughs> What did I say? Satchel and what did you say earlier? I don't think it was the right Sachet. word. Sachet. 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 Chante. RuPaul. Drag Race. Thank you. So anyway, it was a little bundle 
of crystals. Well, I went to put it down, and on the little tag, it said fertility. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, no, no. And Carrie was like, what? And then I showed her, and she was like, oh, no. And, like, we put it back up. I mean, it was like, don't even touch it. Like, it, like, was, like, baby shit or something. (laughs) Nobody touched the fertility. Put it back quickly, quickly. It's like, I do not want luck in that. Please, no. Also, this is random, but I was looking through some of my subscriptions on the Apple Podcast thing Mm -hmm. app. I'm with it. I'm down. I'm jiggy with it. (laughs) All right, Will Smith. (laughs) Anyway, I found a podcast. I have not listened to it yet, so I do not know if it's good or not. But it's, I think, based in Australia because it had Australia in there. Mm. So, you know, I was like... Right up your alley. Ears perked, homing in on some hot accents. (laughs) Meanwhile, it's going to be a girl. And I'll be like, oh. Well, it's a pretty accent. (laughs) Just doesn't do the same thing. But it's called Teacher's Pet, and it's in the true crime Mm. thing. So I was like, ooh, intrigued. So I subscribed. (laughs) Interesting. So if y'all have heard of it, please let us know if you like it, if I should waste my time on it. Because I have a lot of freaking podcasts. I know. I'm going to the beach this weekend. And I'm like, hmm, what should I listen to on the way to the beach? Should I download another book or should I catch up on the 85,000 podcasts I'm behind on? The podcast. Because I've got the Homance Chronicles. Shout out. I got Let's Not Meet. Oh, oh my gosh. The one that came out yesterday? I'm on like episode five. Oh, well, the one that came out yesterday, so freaking good. Was that the one that you were talking about on your Snapchat? Uh, yes. Okay. If you want to follow Donna on Snapchat, <laughs> join our Facebook group because she put it out there. I sure did. You see some of me, some of Marley. Some of the TV. Mm-hmm. Oh, because I was watching The Staircase on Netflix last night, y'all. Shit got real. <laughs> I, like, I think that it just disgusts me so much. That I just, like, have a mental block about watching this. No, girl. I thought I would, too, because I'm like, ugh, his eyebrows, his whole (laughs) shit. Like, ugh. Oh, gosh, no. It's good. It's a shit show. Yeah. But, like, it's, right now, it's kind of level. They're they're showing both sides, but I think it gets more Mm pro-Michael later on. But... It's still just a shit show. Even when they're trying to show him in a good light to me, he looks shifty and shady and... Oh. Well, and we were talking about it. I on love the, it. <laughs> we were talking about it on the Facebook group for a minute, and it was like, you know, some opposing views, and I was like, I, w- I will watch it. And I, right as of right this minute, I'm like, he's absolutely guilty. Right. But I will watch it, and I will have an open mind... Yeah. I'm eager to get to the new stuff just to see what they say. Yeah. But I watch it with my, like, eyebrow perked, you know, and I'm like, hmm. Because you're trying to match his eyebrows? (laughs) Girl. You got to fill them in a little bit, grow them out. Yeah, get wiry ones that just go everywhere. I mean, who doesn't trim their brows? No judgment if you don't, I guess, to each his own. Do you want to look like a wooly booger? Well... 
Yeah, the caterpillar look might be in. I mean, thick eyebrows are back. Yeah, but his are thick and not in a good way. <laughs> his are like Keanu Reeves beards. They're always like patchy and stuff. Ew. It's like, just don't. That's not your strong suit. True. But in the coming week-ish, <laughs> <laughs> we are going to actually both finish the that series and do a special episode about it. About him, about the case, about the series. About the owl. The famous fucking owl. This owl, we were, okay, we were just talking about this owl because. <laughs> Hootie hoo. <laughs> I legit think that there are more gifts now about, like, with an owl in it. Now oh, that this, sure. like, staircase shit has taken off so much. Mm-hmm. Because there are a lot of owl gifts now, and they're not, there used to not be. I need some owl, like, emojis. Like, <gasps> there are none. Like the bitmoji, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There are no owl bitmojis. No. There's one, maybe two owl emojis. Yeah. But no bitmojis. Also, wayside note, if you follow my favorite murderer, my favorite murder, my favorite murderer is their after hours thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's their Snapchat. <laughs> yes. However, I'm in like, so many of their freaking groups it's ridiculous because they have like twenty five thousand yeah subgroups they really do which is great because i'm in almost all of them but this girl and her boyfriend made uh stickers mm-hmm. you have to have an iphone they're working on android stuff but it's uh my favorite murder stickers and they are fan freaking tastic yeah they are and they're like a dollar yeah they're working on more, and I was like, can you get some for a WhatsApp? Yes. Because that's really what I use. Me too. Obs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I talk to everyone but Carrie on WhatsApp. <laughs> like, no. If y'all don't have WhatsApp, it's WhatsApp. My sister calls it WhatsApp app. Because <laughs> she's like, what's that, that WhatsApp app that you use? <laughs> I'm like, WhatsApp. It's so good. Also, last night, when... Because I didn't want to miss any of the staircase goodness. And I was getting a little tired. Turned it on TV. And what did I have recording was Casey Anthony. Oh, did you? Yes. And it was the girl, the lawyer from OJ. Marsha. Mm-hmm. I thought it was that Marsha Gay Harding, <laughs> the actress. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, she in True Crime? Which I think she does have a podcast. Anyway. But it was the lawyer from OJ. And she goes back and interviews people and, like, she definitely is doing this with her eyebrow up, too. Because she's like, "Uh uh-uh. She guilty. Oh, yeah. Also, she wears, like, a choker in this. Mm Mm-hmm. And she looks damn good up in that choker. I cannot wear a choker. Look, if I wore a choker, it would disappear from my double chin. (laughs) They'd be like, that bitch got on a necklace? Like, I would turn my head and be like, damn, I didn't even see she had on a necklace. It's a magic eye. The closer you get, the more you can see it. Look, you got to turn your head just a little bit. (laughs) And by you, I mean me, so that you can see it on the sides. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, But seriously, I was like, oh, my God, she's wearing a choker. Damn. That that's, bitch look good. That's funny that you say the can't Casey Anthony thing because I almost did that one this week, and then I was like, "Man, girl, I don't feel like doing her." 
she, that whole thing, I'm just like, what? But they have another thing. Other than her, they have one that's her parents speaking out. I think that's old. Oh, well, I recorded that too, but I watched I, I think the that's Marshall old because I have watched that one with her parents. Oh, okay. Because they like don't talk to her anymore and like she's like, I, mm. whatever. Okay. I have a point of something. From last week, a point of order, but that's not what whatevs. Last week, I misspoke. Imagine that. And whenever I was talking about the FLDS, the Mormons, and I said, I said David Koresh, and I meant Warren Jeffs. So Warren Jeffs was the leader of the FLDS who is in jail. Mm -hmm. David Koresh was of the Branch Davidians from Waco. Yes. So just to clarify, sorry, I suck with names, (laughs) but I do know who they are. I've watched some stuff with Warren Jeffs, which I don't know why. You know, when you hear stuff and you're in the moment, it doesn't sound wrong until you're like, oh, wait, that's wrong. So I didn't correct you on David Koresh because that name is correct to me, but it's just from the wrong thing. Anyway, but Warren Jeffs, his sermons that he's done, and it's like on the recordings and stuff, it's so hauntingly creepy. Mm -hmm. His voice... Have you watched The Evil Lives Here about him on ID? No. Oh, my God. It has his brother. Wait, I have. I have. I lied. I'm sorry. I have. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, y'all need to look that episode up because that was a really good episode. Yes. Oh, he is just creep-tastic. <laughs> is that the one? God, I've watched so many of him. But he was just, like, standing in his cell and it, like, did, like, a time lapse. And he's just standing there, like, looking at the wall. And so you can kind of see him shifting. It looked like paranormal activity. What? Yeah. And then he would just, like, look somewhere and do the same thing. And I'm like, whew. You know, what's crazy is that, which, I, and I'm going to do an episode on him. So I don't want to get too much into it. But he's still running the FLDS from jail and, like, has sent out, like, a mandate that men cannot have sex with their wives because they're now his wives and since he can't have sex with it like they can only (laughs) basically have sex to reproduce and it has to be at certain time i don't know i'll do yeah i'll do an episode on him so we'll go into more of that but anyway point of point of it is i misspoke last week yes okay i'm breaking out the big guns for this one oh shit i'm kind of actually nervous about this one because it's such a big story that i don't want to fuck it up are you doing Dahmer? No. Oh. I am doing the murder of Travis Alexander by Jody Arias. Oh, fuck. <gasps> Are you ready for it? No. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this story is so long. So... So sit back, get you some wine. Or some cheesecake. Or both. I mean... A dessert wine. (laughs) Shout out to Huffington Post because they had this awesome timeline broken out that I copy and pasted. (laughs) (laughs) But then I had like, I had like 15 tabs open on Chrome being like, okay, that one, okay, that goes here on the timeline. Okay, this goes here on the timeline. (laughs) So it was... Well, that's a step up because y'all... This girl would never open tabs. She would just get out of that 
page and open another page in its place. Like, who does that? I don't anymore. I know. I'm proud of you. Okay. So, (laughs) moving on. Travis Alexander was born on July 28, 1977, in Riverside, California. He was born to Gary David Alexander and Pamela Elizabeth Morgan Alexander. Mouthful. I know. His childhood was actually pretty rough. Oh, Um, fuck. I know. Both of his parents were drug addicts, and he had a really rough, you know, childhood growing up. So, I found a blog that he wrote in... May of 2000, May 5th, 2008, he wrote it. Wow. And he talked a lot about his, like, he told stories from his childhood that his father wasn't around very much and that his mom was kind of just doing the best she could. But as she got further and further into her drug addiction, she was less and less capable of taking care of them. And he said that basically it was like, When you do meth for a week, you have a lot... When you start coming back down on it, you have a lot of sleep you need to catch up on. Wow. And so, most of the bad parts of his life were when the kids would be playing and stuff when his mom was coming down off of the meth and sleeping. Yeah. If they would wake her up, she would get up and beat them for waking her up. He was saying that they wouldn't have any food because, you know, when she would be sleeping for days on end, they would eat the food at the beginning or it the food would rot. And oh so he says gosh. that he can remember one time like having a piece of molded bread and it was like the last thing that they could eat in the house that they had to eat. He said that he can remember being I think he said 5 or 6 and like looking into the cabinet and seeing cans of food and knowing what was in it but not knowing how to operate the can opener to get it. No. And then he Bless it. I know. And then he said that in that that one this one of the houses that they lived in that there were thousands of roaches. Oh, okay. I know, I know. I'm, there's a whole story about albino roaches. I'm not telling you, no. um, because I know how much you hate it. But oh, he said gosh. that the that like at this time, because this was in 2008, that the only thing that he had a phobia about now was roaches. Can we stop and that, saying the word? <laughs> so, but eventually they ended up like losing that house and then went and lived in a camper shell in his aunt's backyard but where it was was by like basically where the washer and dryer were Mm -hmm. but there weren't washer and dryer so like the hookups just leaked and would just get all this water in everything and that they didn't bathe every day and that he got picked on a lot at school for it so his only kind of release from that was when he would get to go to his grandparents' house. He really loved his grandpa, who was his maternal grandpa. But when he was 11, he and his siblings got to move in with his paternal grandparents. Okay. And they're the ones who were very religious and converted him to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Mormonism. Mm-hmm. I wonder if... Because of how his mom was, if that's why he was attracted to Jody with her issues. Yeah, because she definitely has a lot of psych issues. Yeah. And could be. And I thought about with just like, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, just the conditions that he grew up in, like with the house and the dirtiness and stuff. Mm-hmm. He was very meticulous and particular about how his house was and like if you look back at the photos of his closet and stuff like every I mean 
I even noticed how his jeans were hung up on the hangers, like they're like clamped in upside down, yeah. you know, so that they are, you know, just everything was in meticulous order and very, very clean. You know, you can kind of see how, why he is that way now yeah. when, or then when, you know, when you heard what his childhood was like. Right. So he really kind of came from nothing and made himself, he was that salesman, he was a motivational speaker and he made him, made something for himself with that prepaid legal services company yeah. that he was with so yeah because he lived in a nice house with with some roommates yeah but, but it was his house yeah um because he yeah he had not a good bit i don't know how much money he had i don't know but he had made it you yeah. know he like had all of these goals by i think like 30 and you know i mean he really did rags to riches kind of story yeah which is why i think he was such a good motivational speaker too though mm-hmm. because he had that past that he had overcome yeah. So, switching gears a little bit to Jody Arias. She was born July 9th, 1980, in Salinas, California. It was in September of 2006 that they met at a conference in Las Vegas for this prepaid legal services. One thing, one time, I think it was the investigation discovery little three-night mm-hmm. thing on her, was that she was actually at a conference that he was the speaker at and was like attending one of his lectures and was like oh my god he's amazing and so she approached him and I think they ended up having sex that night yeah and like you know they were kind of hooked from then on mm-hmm. so it was just like like I said that just kind of intense from the minute they hooked up till a long time yeah so he definitely had Travis Alexander had an inner conflict, just kind of like inner turmoil about his Mormonism and his faith and Jody because, you know, Mormons are very conservative, Mm -hmm. no sex before marriage, even, you know, depending on how traditional their church is because, you know, it's a... Mormonism is a is like a spectrum. spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, you go from the the Warren Jeffs to just like you know what I mean? Like yeah. to this like sister wives to you know, like it's just yeah. but period they're conservative. Mm-hmm. And so he ha- I think he had a lot of inner turmoil about his relationship with her and th- his desires and all of that with her. But then also kind of living this life as a devout Mormon with his business and his, you know, life that he had. So their whirlwind of a romance started in September of 2006, like I said before. Mm -hmm. And by November 26th of 2006, she was already getting baptized into the Mormon church. Mm -mm -mm. She was in it to win it. Uh Uh-huh. She said, you're Mormon. You want to marry a Mormon girl? I will be her. Right. So, and then in February of 2002, they, like, officially began dating. By June of 2007, they broke up as officially a couple, but they, like, they kept having sex. Yeah. She was a side chick. Yes. In December of 2007, Travis started dating another girl, and... He told his friends that Jody was so jealous that he was starting to date somebody else that she slashed the tires on his vehicle twice. Dang. And when he's the the new girlfriend 
started getting emails like harassing her from a John Doe. <laughs> and he was like, uh, that's got to be Jody. Right. Well, in January, though. And this new girl was a Mormon. Yes. Like, this was like his. Trophy is, Mormon. Yeah. This is who I think, had he not died, he would have married her for sure. Yeah. I think for sure is what I said. <laughs> um, but yeah. Almost she, definitely. Almost. I am positive 100% that maybe. Like, probably, most definitely, possibly. (laughs) (laughs) She, I mean, because I've, you know, we've seen pictures of her. Like, she was, she was really pretty and, you know, she's a blah, blah, blah. Good Mormon girl, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Everything that Jody wasn't. For him. For him. But Jody was everything she wasn't also. What do you mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. still... Let's get into oh, oh, with yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah, because that's really what he wanted. Yes. But, exactly. He wanted his two lives mm-hmm. with the two two girls because that's how he, it was, it's almost like he, he lived a... Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind no, of thing. No, the, the word, this is not the right word, but this is the word that is popping in my head, but it's like dichotomous. Like, it's like these two, it's not the right word. I mean, it, yeah. it means, I know it, what it means, you know, it's the yeah. two things, but it's like he has the... Sexy, hot fuck fest, uh-huh. and then the good Mormon girl, and he wants both lives, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Because I feel like Jody is who he was growing up. Right. And this other girl is who he wants to be. Right. So, we start learning of, like... You know, of course, through the case and all that, we get we get to see all of their text messages. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they yes. start in January of 2008. And can I just say, I saw a meme one time, and I, it may, I may be making this last part up, but it may have had Jody Arias on it. And it said, write your text messages like you're going to have to read them out loud in a courtroom. Yes. Because whew, some of these messages, I'm like, oh, my God. Bless like, their hearts. I, I mean, because when you're, when you're the one... Uh-huh. Messaging that shit. You're like, mm-hmm, I'm so hot. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then it's like, and then she said she wants to give you a warm mouth hug, too. You know, yes. it's like, oh, yes. so awkward. <laughs> oh, so awkward. I know. Um, but I, like, thrive off of that awkwardness when it was going down. I'm like, tell me more. Like, can I print these pages out? I know. Because okay. I need to know more. Well, I'll read you some of them. I don't have a lot. I just have a few. Okay, so on January 8th, Jody sent Travis a text that said, God bless him. Ah, I fell asleep. But to answer your question, yes, I want to grind you. I want to be loud. I want to give <laughs> you a nice, warm mouth hug, too. Smiley face. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Well, one, who says mouth hug? Two, who says grind you? Right? We need to give her sexting 101. Right? Don't use any of those words. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Gosh. (laughs) Okay. On January 18th, she sent him a text message that said, my pussy is so wet. (laughs) <laughs> like this shit people know like look we've all been there <laughs> yes but at least she didn't say moist ew that's the worst <laughs> word ever <laughs> oh. and at least she didn't say cooter 
or cat? Oh, gosh. <laughs> no. Okay. I'm like, like legit. I'm not embarrassed by the words. Right. It's for her that I'm everyone's knowing about. Yes, this. that everyone is seeing her sexting, like that. Like yes, you you do you and you sex away. You get it. Right. Just don't kill the person afterwards. Cause and it you're has gonna to have be to read in court. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh my god. I legit. I'm like embarrassed for her. Yes. Okay. So in March. They're still fucking, and they've gone to different states together. Like, they, I mean, they ha- I remember, we got, like, when this case was coming out, being like, Jesus Christ, they have so many pictures together. Yes. Like, to not be together, they were fucking together. Right. All right, so then in April of 2008, that's when she moved to Arizona from California because they had, you know, they were doing kind of the long-distance thing. And that month, because, well, like I said, Travis Alexander had the blog, which, yeah. by the way, the one that I was reading a little bit to y'all about the about his childhood. Yeah. At the bottom of it, there's still a comment on it from Jody Arias. Oh, my God. Like the day he posted it, she commented like, I like the new revisions. Wow. It's like it flows well or something like that. Wow. Like that's blows my mind. And then if you click her. Like, if you click the comment, yeah, it takes you to her blog that's, like, still up. Wow. And that, like, that, I, I don't know. It's like, holy shit. Well, one, someone's paying for that to still be up. I'm sure it was a free blog. Oh, It'd be yeah. like a MySpace type thing. True, Because MySpace does come up in this a few times. Okay, no, I forget that people do have those things. Okay. <laughs> All my shit cost. Damn. Hey, big spender. <laughs> Um, So that same month, Travis posted in his blog, he was saying, this year is going to be the best year of my life. This is the year that I will eclipse all others. I will earn more, love more, travel more, serve more. Did I say love? Uh Uh-huh. I meant learn. Then he says love more. Give more and be more than all the other years of my life combined. Which is so sad. Like, he was so hopeful. yes. He was so, like, ready to kind of conquer his life and... And then it was like, I mean, his life really, you know, that year really did eclipse all other years of his life because he became this victim of this heinous crime that was just like this national, international media sensation, you know? Right. So I want to preface my next thing with I am not victim blaming. Yeah. Okay. So... He was as much into this relationship with her, well, not as much. He was really good at getting what he wanted from her. Yes. And, very good at it. And being an asshole, too. Yeah. And dragging her along, stringing mm-hmm. her along, and giving her just enough that she was like, oh, well, maybe he'll come back to me and all this stuff so that he could keep fucking her. Right. And have her, as, like you said, as his side piece. And so, so this next text that he sent her just kind of shows that. Does that mean he deserved to die? Absolutely not. No. That is not what I'm saying at all. But, I mean, hell, if somebody killed me, they'd be like, well, she was an asshole. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, nobody's perfect. And right. that's one thing is that just because he died, it doesn't make him the saint. You know what I mean? Yeah, It's totally. just part of the story. Yes. Again, I'm not victim blaming, and I'm not saying that he deserved to die. I'm just saying that. 
he played a part in keeping her strung along and yes. in this state. Building this, up this yes. whole thing. Yeah. Also, I feel like if they both would have gotten help, because they both had mental mm-hmm. things to deal with, it would have helped, too. But that wasn't in his plan. Right, right. You know, so, again, not victim blaming, but mental health is super fucking important. I mean, he had a lot that he needed to deal with from his childhood. Yeah. I mean, as would anyone who had that yes. type of upbringing. And for my understanding, her upbringing was pretty good, actually. Mm-hmm. Very kind of like middle class. Yeah. Okay. So on April 20th, he texts Jody and said, I'm at a nightclub right now, and it helped me come to the conclusion that you're one of the prettiest girls on the planet. And then the next day, he said, send me naughty pictures. So it's like, it's just enough. Mm-hmm. Just You know, it's just like just enough of bait to kind of yeah, keep her coming. Then. Yeah. On May 10th, which is not odd, but like five days after he posted that about his family. Mm-hmm. She posted on her blog that she said, I cannot ignore that there is an ever-present yearning and desire that pulses within me. It throbs for gratification and fulfillment. That same day, Travis sent Jody a text that said, why don't you have him come fuck you in the woods? I can only imagine you were so worried about me reading. You are paranoid because you have no respect for people privacy and you dare insult me of all people, someone you should, through your actions, you hate more than love by denying me human right of privacy countless times. You have a lot of freaking nerve. Well, we are all not like you in that aspect, which there's some grammatical stuff that I don't quite understand, but I don't I don't really know how those are related, but you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. I felt like it was important, even though I don't quite understand it. <laughs> Y'all draw your own conclusions. <laughs> so. Rewind it. Listen to it again and tell us what that meant. Thank you. Send us an email and explain words to me. But, like, I think at that time she was starting to see somebody else, too. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what she was talking about, which is what he was saying, like, why don't you have him come fuck you in the woods kind of thing. Yeah. But then, because, and he's like, I can imagine you're so worried about me reading. Like, yeah, you know, oh, you're posting this on blog, your blog so that I will read it. Yeah. But anyway. Okay. Okay, never mind. She understands it now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. On May 18th, he posted why I want to marry a gold digger on his online blog. And he says, I did a little soul searching and realized that I was lonely. I realized it was time to adjust my priorities and date with marriage in mind. This type of dating to me is a very long job interview and can be exponentially more mentally taxing. Desperately trying to find out if my date has an axe murderer pinned up inside her. Mmm, dun dun dun. Quite ominous, right? Yes. So, in June, he told his friends that he was like, I think that Jody's hacked into my Facebook account. And he was like, look, bitch, you got to go. Like, stay out of my life forever. I'm done with you. We're done. I'm over it. Uh Uh-huh. On May 28th of 2008, Jody Arias' grandparents' house was broken into. A 25 caliber pistol was stolen, $30 in cash, a stereo, and a DVD player. Then, on June 2nd, 2008, Jody Arias, she rented a car from Budget Rent-A-Car 
in Redding, California. Mm-hmm. On June 4th, 2008, Jody Arias went to Travis Alexander... Easy for you to say. <laughs> Travis Alexander's house in Mesa, Arizona, and they had sex. They took a bunch of photos, and then it was that afternoon that the very last outgoing call was made from Travis's phone, and then that evening he had an important business call that he missed, which was not like him. Yeah. On June 5th, Jody went to visit her other fuck buddy in West Jordan, Utah. His name was Ryan Burns. And on June 7th, she returned her rent-a-car in Redding, California. So June 9th is when his friends started being like, hmm, something's not right. So his friends were like, what the hell? Like, he hasn't been home. Because he was supposed to go on... Like a trip to Cancun. Mm-hmm. And I think he was going to take Jody, but then he was like, no, I'm taking somebody else. And so they were like getting ready to leave for their trip. And they're like, where, you know, where is he? We haven't yeah. heard from him. Something's up. And so they go to his roommates, go to check on him in his room. And I think the door was locked to his room. And so they finally get in there and they found that, I mean, the, the room is covered in blood. And then they find him Gosh. dead in his shower. There's some there's some theories out there that his roommate had something to do with it mm-hmm. um, because he was so Travis being he was so meticulous and clean and organized and his roommate was kind of it was in and out of the house and I mean how did he not smell a decomposing body that had been there five days and how did he not notice that stuff was messy and all and these I think things. their rooms are kind of close I don't know about that. I mean, you could be right. I just don't remember that detail. But, you know, his door was closed. It was locked. I mean, roommates aren't all like, uh, like yeah. we would go in each other's rooms. I'm like, oh, she's got to need some lipstick or, you know, whatever. Yeah, but I feel like guys are different. Yeah, so. Well, and he knows he has fuck buddies and shit. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean. And he had a sock on the door. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's like, damn, that was a long fuck fest. Five days. He took a Cialis. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to the serious shit. So, when, after they found his body, they took him for autopsy and all, and he had been shot in his right eyebrow with a twenty-five caliber gun, and the, bu- the bullet was found lodged in his left cheek. Oh, And then he had been stabbed 27 times. Gosh, bless his heart. And his throat was cut from ear to ear. Oh. They found a spent 25 caliber shell casing in the floor next to his sink of the bathroom. It had hair and a latent print on it that was in blood that was next to the entrance of the bathroom hall. And then later they found... The digital camera that was in the washing machine that had been run through the cycle a time or two. Mm-hmm. Did and they have to put it in a bowl of rice? Damn. <laughs> Maybe. Probably. But what I thought of, what I wanted to say, too, about, like, the autopsy and stuff, when I was doing this research, oh, I think it was the Murderpedia page, they had some photos from the autopsy that I showed Donna a second ago. Yeah. Whoa. I won't unsee those. Yeah. The, I mean, 
so if you're if you're not into that, but if you want to see him, warning they. I mean, he was dead for five days before they found him, and yeah. so you know he's very bloated. He's very bruised. He's got some decomp happening on the face. I guess yeah. is what you'd call that with his mouth. Yeah. Um, and it showed like all the stab wounds and. What I think what got me the most was one how his mouth looked. Yes, and two was the the throat being cut. Yes, that was a lot in those photos. That was bad. Yeah, and it's like not fun and games is not what the word I want to use, but it's all fun and games when you're talking about like Jody and how crazy she was and or is with her, you know, this whole situation, and you know your heart heart does break for him because he was murdered and. You know, you're looking at it from all angles, but seeing those photos, because that was the first time I'd ever seen the photos yeah. of his his body after the death, other than the photos of him, like, in the shower. Right. But the close-up of his face yeah. and the wounds, I just was, and just his bruising, you know, whatever. People don't want to hear all that, because if you're not into the photos, you don't want to hear all that, probably. But Yeah. So, I don't know. It just took a, it was, it was kind of somber and it really was like a sobering reality to this yes because again jody arias was this international kind of sensation basically yes and she had a ton of like proposals and you know fans and stuff sending her things in jail and won a fucking american idol contest in jail and Got like a turkey for Thanksgiving and shit. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, she just is was this, became this larger than life personality, basically. Right. And the focus of the case and just the things in which she accused Travis Alexander of, right. it just really took away from him. And again, seeing those pictures was a very sobering reality check to the heart of the story is that a man lost his life. And in a very awful Gruesome. way. Yes. All right. Now that we're uh, all negative and down. Yeah. Definitely. I'm not posting those pictures. No, 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 no. Just yeah. so y'all know, not doing that. You have to go to murder. Murder. Oh, God. Murder. Murder. That. Okay. So, of course, after he was found, his and the police were asking his friends and family, like, what do you think happened? They were like, um, Jody. Jody, Jody, it was Jody, find Jody. Right. They were saying, you know, she was completely obsessed with him. She couldn't let him go. He kept trying to sever all ties, and then she would threaten to kill herself. And so he would be like, well, okay. And so they were like, we, we know it's, we know it's her. In June, on June 13th, she posted in her photo gallery on MySpace a little page called In Loving Memory of Travis. And so she just was even then like very out there like with the social media and just like yeah oh blah 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 so on june 17th she went to the mesa police headquarters voluntarily was fingerprinted gave a sample of her dna through saliva and then well i feel like she thought she didn't have anything to worry about because they had had sex and it was like a fuck fest Oh, yeah. So, Shit was everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Of course her DNA's there. Of course there's hair. Of course there's all, Uh you know, these bodily fluids and stuff. So, you can't pinpoint that to her because she could have left after that. Right. Right. You know? So, I think in her head, 
she's golden. Right. Well, on June 19th, though, she told them that she had last talked or had last seen Travis in April of 2008. But then when the police got the pictures back from the camera, they're time stamped. Mm -hmm. And it has pictures of them, you know, having sex together, like clearly she saw him then. Yeah. Um, well, and she thought that that camera was w- gone. Oh, yeah. You she know. quite literally was washing away the evidence, uh-huh. she thought. And no. Yeah. I mean, that memory card was intact. Uh-huh. So, but then she later said, like, okay, yeah, we had been seeing each other for about five months. We broke up in June of 2007. But they were both jealous because they had started seeing other people. And so they were like, well, we, then she said they kept having sex, but kept it quiet from people. And then she said she last spoke to Travis on June 3rd. Remember, he yeah. died on the 4th. So then, later that day after they had, like on the 19th, when they called her and were like, um, you said you saw Travis the last time in April of 2008, but here's pictures. She was... That day, at almost 11 o'clock that night, she posted a message on her MySpace saying that she misses Travis. See you soon, my friend, but not soon enough. Yeah. Wow. On June 21st was his funeral. And she went to... Then they had a memorial service, I think, on the 26th as well. And that's when the investigators found out that her hair and that latent bloody fingerprint was hers Mm. and the dna that they found at the scene was a mixture of jody's and travis's Mm. which makes sense if they were having sex yeah so on her 29th birthday she was indicted on first degree murder in the charges of travis's death she was arrested in northern california she was actually i think at her grandparents house that had been burglarized and then they like a month or two later extradited her but so on the July time when she was being interviewed and like when she was arrested, she said, "This is a really trivial question, and it's going to reveal how shallow I am. But before you book me, can I clean myself up a little bit so that she could like get her purse and like yeah cramp before she took her mug shot?" <laughs> yeah, I mean priorities. Hello. I mean, good thing she did, I guess, because everybody looked at that picture. Well, you know, there was that guy who was the uh, mugshot model. (laughs) Yes, I know what you're talking about. Oh, and so our friend has a plus-size clothing store, and one of the uh, companies that she uses for shirts, that guy is a model. No. Yes. I didn't know that. Yes, he was in one of those magazines that comes, like the catalog. Yeah. Yeah, she was like, is that the mugshot model guy i was like yes that's hilarious on september 5th she was extradited back to arizona september 11th she put in her not guilty plea and then on september 12th she did an interview with arizona republic and she said that like she would not discuss how the dna evidence when the uh, (laughs) photographic evidence is there But she said, God knows I'm innocent. I know I'm innocent. I had nothing to do with this murder. I would never hurt him. He was my friend. Mm Mm-hmm. And then on September 24th, she did an interview with Inside Edition and said publicly for the first time that she was actually present when 
Travis Alexander was attacked by two intruders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Then on October 31st, the Maricopa County Attorney's Office filed a notice that they were going to seek the death penalty because they said that she committed first-degree murder in an especially cruel, heinous, or deprived manner, which made her eligible for the death penalty. Yeah. I would say so. Yes. On June 23rd of 2009, so we're almost a year forward, Mm -hmm. she... Not changed her second story about the intruders, but elaborated, I guess would be the word, to 48 hours, where she said that she was actually present for the murder, but she said that the death did occur from a home invasion, and she said that they had been playing around with with his new camera, and she heard a really loud pop, and the next, she says, the next thing I remember, I was lying on the, next to the bathtub, and Travis was screaming. At that point, I sort of was just trying to come around and kind of orient myself to what was going on. And I looked up and I just I saw two other individuals in the bathroom. They were both coming towards us. She said that the intruders were a man and a woman dressed in black and they were armed with a knife and a gun. At one point, she said that the man had pointed the gun at her, but she was spared because he pulled the trigger and nothing happened. Like the, he, she said, the gun the gun jammed. Mm-hmm. And so she said she grabbed her purse, what was on the floor, and ran down the stairs and left Travis there. Because he was her friend. And I mean, why wouldn't her purse be on the bathroom floor? Right. She could just <laughs> grab it up and run. Yeah. <laughs> um, she said, it was, I was terrified and I was scared for my life. I think that it was it was a naive belief that I could pretend like it didn't happen. So then, this is what I was telling you about a second ago. Well, y'all. December of 2010, she beat out 50 other inmates to win American Idol-style caroling contest. (laughs) I love how this was saying, like, that the contest was held by America's Toughest Sheriff, because it's the Joe Arapoa for the Maricopa County Yeah, the one that makes all... He's the one, the Maricopa County Jail is the one that he makes all the inmates wear the pink mm-hmm. and has the tent city outside because he says that if our armed forces have to live in those conditions, then there's no reason that the inmates should have better conditions. And so her prize was a stocking full of goodies and a turkey dinner for herself and her cellmates. So now we're flash forwarding a little bit further. This is July 2011. Old girl tried to send out coded messages. Did you know this? I didn't know this part. She had tried to send out coded messages in two magazines to a friend to, like, tamper with a witness, basically. So she had, there were two magazines, an issue of Star, which (laughs) this says, ironically, had a cover story about Casey Anthony at the time. Yes. With whom, like... A lot of people yeah. have been comparing Jody Arias to. And, you know, when all this was kind of going on, I kept getting the, them confused. Me I'd be too. like, wait, which one's the one that killed the boyfriend? Which one's the one with the kid? Um, and an issue of Digital Photo Pro, which, so th- the guards, they won't say how they knew something was up with that Digital Photo Pro magazine. Uh huh. But they knew something was up. And so they confiscated it and they like put it all together. And she, so she, what she did was, oh gosh. So in the Star magazine, at the bottom of one of the pages, was written the following numbers. It was like 43, 40, 56, 20, 20 37, and 54. Each number corresponded to a page in the digital photo pro. 
and it was like part of the yeah. so it was like part of the message. So strong. Had she just watched the Da Vinci Code or something? something. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, anyway, because okay, I'm thinking like, okay, if Donna and I had to send coded messages to each other like that, how would we do it? Because I would never figure the fuck out what you were trying to say. Oh fuck no! You you'd be pissed at me. I was yeah. I you would, wouldn't understand. Or you would send me something. I'd be like, where the fuck are all these numbers? And just throw it away. You know? Yeah. Like just I just draw random shit because we're not artists. Just draw. No one else would get it, but... We are really good at Pictionary. Yeah. Look, though, when you have to do the Senso sketch for Cranium, <laughs> we are your gals. <laughs> so this is what the message said. You fucked up what you told my attorney the next day. Directly contradicts what I've been saying for over a year. Get down here ASAP and, and see me before you talk to them again and before you testify so we can fix this. Interview is excellent. Must Must talk ASAP. Oh, my gosh. No, I had no idea. I didn't either. Me neither. It says the intended recipient of this message is unclear, but the magazines were found just a couple of weeks before the prosecution was going to interview her ex-boyfriend, Matthew McCartney. So, like, they think it was probably to him, but they, they don't have any proof. Wow. So he done fucked up. So to show you, just to illustrate her, I don't know if narcissism's the word, just. Yeah. She, in August, on August 8th, your birthday, 2011. <laughs> okay, shout out, Jody. She, <laughs> <laughs> she, told, she told the judge, um, Sherry Stevens, that she wanted to represent herself. She saw Elle Woods, and if Elle can do it, so can she. I mean, what? Like, it's hard? (laughs) What year was that? 2011. Trying to think what I was doing. Working? Yeah. Seven years ago. Yeah. Out of college, work, working. Work, 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 work. Okay. (laughs) So, (laughs) the... (laughs) So the judge was like, okay, cool, you can do it, but, of course, your public defenders have to remain on as counsel, like, for advisors. Yeah. On August 16, 2011, is when she requested to admit letters that she says that Travis had sent her prior to his death. And then in the letters, she was alleging that Travis admitted to being a pedophile. Right. And, of course, the prosecutors were like, let me see those letters, because this is a fucking fake. And so it was clear, clearly fake. It was a forgery. And so <laughs> so then that's when Jody was like, um, Judge Stevens, I'm, I'm in over my head. Like, quite literally, she said, "Over like, it's over her head. And so the judge reinstated her defense counsel. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, God, she's an idiot. I took a webinar on how to forge shit, and I want my money back. My twenty nine ninety nine, I could have some cigs for that. <laughs> I mean, that could have gone on my commissary, and I could have had some cranberry sauce with my turkey I won. <laughs> <laughs> the kind in the can, because that's the only good kind. <laughs> Okay, but what she said about when she was claiming that he was a pedophile, she said that in January of 2008 that she walked in on him masturbating and that when he was like, when she walked in, she was like, oh, like, what are you doing? And he was like, oh, nothing, and like started grabbing all the pictures on his bed. 
and when she was like, oh, what is that? Because one fell off. Mm-hmm. That it was pictures of a boy, like, in, like, um, Spider-Man-themed underwear. Like, it was, so it was, like, a little kid. Which, of course, all of that's fake, so. Yeah. So, at this point, she's like, okay, so the story about me not being there, that didn't work. Then the story about the invaders, home invaders, well, that didn't work. So, let me try the, you know, the pedophilia thing Uh and be like, okay, okay, I was there, but he was a pedophile and he was abusive. And so, she that's when she says, look, we were playing around with his new camera and she said, I dropped it and he got really mad. And so, that's when she said she had to kill him in self-defense. Right. Did you know that you, when you kill someone in self-defense, that you typically shoot them, stab them 27 times, and slit their throat? And leave and don't say anything. And go fuck your other friend, boyfriend yeah. in Utah. Yeah. I mean. And then lie about it. That's what I would do. Times. That, I mean, that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I got from the Jody webinar I, I went to. I mean, did you want your twenty nine ninety nine back though? Uh, that bitch charged thirty two ninety nine. Oh, she Jody must have had a ten percent off. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Groupon man <laughs> gets me every time. The ring I'm wearing right now is from Groupon. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. So not sponsored. <laughs> but no. Then one of her attorneys was like, "Hey, I don't want to be on this case anymore." The judge was like, "Fine." Her sister was on 48 Hours being like, oh, he was a monster. She loved him. Blah, blah, blah. So then in January of 2012, she got Jennifer Wilmot as her defense attorney because she is a death penalty, like, qualified attorney. Mm. And so she started to represent Jody Arias. In February, the judge denied a motion to remove the death penalty because they were saying, her like, her attorney was saying it wasn't... Like a planned murder, it was a self-defense kind of thing, Mm -hmm. Um, but the judge was like, absolutely not. So in December of 2012, we are four years after the murder. Yeah. Four and a half years, really. That is so crazy. The jury selection began. There were 375 potential jurors that they had to go through. They ended up with, of course, 12 jurors and six alternates, seven women and 11 men. And they of course, were sworn in. So January second, two thousand thirteen, is when the, when the opening statements happened. Like that's when the trial officially began. Okay. And the Maricopa County prosecutor Juan Martinez, he just described Travis Alexander's ver- murder as violent, and that there were three different ways he could have died. It was from it could have been from the shot, from like being shot, being stabbed in the heart and his throat cut and said that he had Travis Alexander had a lot of defensive wounds on his hands. Gosh. And he wrapped up his opening argument by playing a video from the like a like an interview that Jody did saying, "Mark my words, no jury will convict me." <gasps> Dang. I feel like that's a mic drop moment. I, I was about to say that. He's like fucking prove her wrong. Yeah. So, man, if I was on that jury, that would fire me up because I'd be like, she guilty. I know, right? <laughs> that would so be me. Be like, I'll show you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so her def- Which is why I don't need to be on a jury. Right, I know. Well, and it's like, 
If a real-life courtroom is like an episode of 48 Hours, that is emotional ro- roller coaster. Yes. Like, one minute, I'm like, they are so fucking guilty. And then the next half hour, I'm like, oh, God, they didn't do this. Right. And then, like, the last five minutes, I'm like, did they do it? Like, I'm, like, completely lost. Yeah. You know? I'll be 12 angry men on their ass. And yeah. they're going to be like, just change your vote. <laughs> They're like, oh no, bitch! I ain't got nothing to do. And then <laughs> I like, get my sixty dollars a day, or right? I don't know how much you get from jury right? duty. I've actually never had to go to jury duty. Um, I had to go once, but I didn't end up having to go. Like I was so nervous that I was going to have to go, which I don't know why, but you know, whatever. That's me. Fear of everything, right? Um, New situation. Of course, you're going to be anxious. Yes. Well, I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, I called that morning, and it was... They were like, we don't need you? Yes. And I was like, thank God. But, you know, that whole time, Mm -hmm. I, like, was freaking the fuck out, making such a huge deal. And then it was like, oh, we don't need you. I was like, mother bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I always kind of wanted to get a jury summons when I lived in Houston, because I figured it would be, like, something really cool, you know, there. But I never did. When I moved back to Mississippi, though, I did get a jury summons, but it was when I was, like, in another state doing field work somewhere. I, can't, uh, I, don't, even remember, yeah. I don't even remember which state I was in. So, I couldn't come, yeah. you know? And so, <laughs> we just had to, like, write the letter being like, I can't come. And, of course, was excused. But, oh um, yeah, never have had to actually do it. Casey, my sister... One time, she was on the grand jury. Yeah. And it was like a she had to go like every Tuesday for like six months or something. It was a long time. Yeah. But it was so cool. She was like, I learned so much. Like, because most people are like, Bleh. but she was kind of, she was in between, it was like a semester off of college, basically, where she was kind of trying to get things together. And so she was like, what the hell else do I have right. to do? Like, making some money. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, she was like, I learned a lot. It was interesting. I was like, oh, man, that's really cool, though. You know? Yeah. But anyway, so the defense, their opening arguments, of course, were because at this point she had changed her story back to, or not back to, but to, it was self-defense. Yeah, because, I mean, again, like Casey Anthony, too, you know, trying to be wholesome. Mm Mm-hmm. And because jury management is a thing. I mean, yes. I watch Bull. I know it's a thing. Right. You know, it's like it was it it is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like hers was so extreme. that yes. It's like nobody buys it because mm-hmm. it's so extreme. But I feel like it did teach me to start looking for those things, though, uh-huh. to try to say, OK, who, like and then from the defense side too. I mean, I'm sorry, the prosecutor side too. They're doing jury management as well. Oh, for sure. Like it's all a game. It's all a chess match. Yes. And, and so, I'm better at checkers. <laughs> 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 oh my god, that's great. And so it's like, but it really did like educate me to look for those kind of like nuances of right. How they're trying to skew my opinion. And it's like, fuck you. Fuck you for trying to subliminally change my mind. Yep. Like it's a fucking episode of Say by the Bell. Right. And it's just like, so you're saying justice isn't blind. Right. And, you know, like you're saying that this is rigged. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you're saying, oh, here's all our cards. 
But also, here's a couple of jokers we have, too, that we're not going to show yeah. you. Oh, oh, here's this card I dropped on the floor, and it's a wild. Right. Yeah, it's hard. It, you know, again, that's what's so, like, overwhelming about this case is because, one, it's lasted forever. Yes. So that's number one. Two is that there's so many moving parts to it that you could make entire episodes of yeah. our podcast about i mean the jury management the changes in the stories the their relationship and the psychology behind the the you know the choices that each of them made and yeah you know that so it's like this really could be a seven part series for sure but i'm lazy so it's not (laughs) it's a one part series (laughs) just a little longer than normal which would be like four hours because we have long AF episodes. We do. <laughs> Let us know if y'all like that. I know. We've gotten longer as we've been going. But I think, one, we've done harder stories. Yeah. But, two, we've gotten more comfortable Yeah. talking and sharing more and whatever. But if y'all don't like that, let us know. I don't know how we're going to do better, but we'll at least know your feedback. There you go. So one thing that I thought was quite interesting that the prosec- I'm sorry, the defense attorney brought up in her opening arguments was that well, she said that Travis Alexander pressured Jody into having not only vaginal sex but anal and oral sex too because mm-hmm. it was like a skirt around the no sex before marriage right. doing anal sex and oral sex and it's like that's so true. Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, even think about like us growing up and stuff, and it's like, well, oh, yeah. we didn't have sex; we just had oral sex. You know, yes. It's oh like, well, gosh. that's sex, so you just didn't have vaginal penetration. You know, yes. I mean, oral sex, <laughs> right? It just shows their immaturity too. True. Well, and you know, that goes along with which we've talked about this before, which. I'm going to bring up the Duggars. But I kind of think that Travis Alexander actually looks like the oldest son of the Duggars. Oh, my God, he does. Right? And so it's – but it just – it's one of those things when you have extreme rules Mm -hmm. governing a natural desire and, you know, and and extreme rules either way. You know, whether it be conservative or non-conservative rules, you know – People are always going to want to rebel or be curious or, in the instance of sex, follow their natural urges. Right. And so, I mean, of course he had someone on the side that he was having sex with. You know, it just, it speaks again to a larger issue where he had the two lives that he was trying to manage, who he felt like he was, I think, and who he wanted to be. Right. Jody versus the Mormon life. Yeah. So, of course, again, the defense attorney's whole stance is that it was a domestic violence situation in which she was defending herself, and that's why she killed him. On the second day of the trial, prosecution called Esteban Flores, a Mesa homicide detective, and he was the one that investigated the crime scene and had the original phone call with Jody Arias on June 10th of 2008. So the prosecution played the recording of the call, and in it, Jody said that she and Travis were good friends and that she wanted to help the police in any way that she could. 
she said that she had heard of Travis's passing and that she also heard there was a lot of blood at the scene and asked what weapon was used or recovered from the scene. But, of course, Detective Flores was like, uh, we can't tell you that shit. Yeah. Um, Detective Flores asked about her relationship with Travis and she was like, yeah, we dated for like five months and then we broke up. She really said that. Um, <laughs> she said they remained friends, but more like buddies. She said they were intimate. Yeah, fuck buddies. Yeah, she said they weren't intimate, but it wasn't like a relationship that, you know, as far as that goes. Yeah. She said that they broke up partly because she believed that he was cheating on her. And she said she didn't trust him and that she said that he would get upset really easily. Mm. And then when so while they were on the phone, he Flores said, you know, people think that you were taking advantage of him. You were hanging out when you weren't wanted. She was like, they're just saying that because I'm an ex-girlfriend, you know. So they're just talking bad about me just because I'm an ex-girlfriend. And he was like, well, you know, Detective Laura's like, well, we just need to know, you know, if anybody had any issues with him. You know, we just need to know. And she was like, well, he never locked his doors. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But she and she also said, like. That he was really strong. She didn't know how anybody could overpower him. All that stuff. So the defense attorney cross-examined Detective Flores. Flores. Fluoride. (laughs) Dry Um, eye. (laughs) (laughs) Detective Flores asked him if he had ever seen a picture of the French mate outfit that... Travis, Al- I keep wanting to say Jason Alexander, right? From but that he had allegedly made Jody wear when she was cleaning the house. And Detective Flores was like, "Well, I mean, I know she cleaned his house, but I never saw a picture of the maid's outfit." And the defense attorney said that was asking Flores if he had seen the emails that Travis supposedly had sent to Jody, like calling her a slut and a whore. And of course, that was objective, citing hearsay and speculation and. But then the judge allowed it, and Flores was like, no, yeah, I saw those emails. So they did exist. Yeah. I think he had text messages, too, that he had sent. Yeah. I, like, I don't, I kind of remember that. Yeah. That he was, like, Pretty aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that was just their dynamic. Yeah. Well, because I think later, well, like, he told her, Flores read a Facebook message that, Travis had sent Jody, and he said, I was nothing more than a dildo with a heartbeat for you. Like, but there's another one. Talk, there's some more. Oh, mess- well, he's wrong because dildos, she- they have heartbeat uh, <laughs> vibrations. <laughs> <laughs> you got different pulses, honey. <laughs> Multiple settings. I mean. Only the best. Not that I know, but. I'm giving her a face. I'm giving her the <laughs> police. So, but but to back to what you were saying, I think later I have some messages where he was like, you know, their thing was like tying up and, you know, like more aggressive type sexting, basically. Yes. yes. So I do think that some of that was their thing. I think he was probably a little aggressive towards her. But I think that she thrived on that yeah. too. That, like she you said, liked that was their to be dynamic. Degraded and to be, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, the aggressiveness 
that's what she loved. Mm-hmm. And that gave him the power that he didn't have in his childhood. Right. All of that. Look Again, at us. Psych 101. We are figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Making it up as we go. Heck yeah. Okay. From that webinar, $32.99, best money I've ever spent. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Look, you can learn how to use things like Word. Yes. You can learn to fake like you have a PhD in psychology. (laughs) Yes. You can learn a lot of things from a webinar. Uh Uh-huh. Also, how to send uh, cryptic messages in Star Magazine. I mean, it was her webinar. Right. (laughs) Okay. So then a fingerprint examiner with the Mesa Police Department, her name was Heather Connor, she took the stand and talked about the the three days that it took them to process the scene at his house and how they had found the camera in the washing machine and the clothing that was in it, the digital camera that had the SIM card. And there was a towel that had bleach stains on it. Why would someone not remove the SIM card? She apparently did not attend or run a tech webinar. No, BTK, he was he was gone before he could tell everyone about it. I mean, he was like, these cards, <laughs> these floppies, these discs, they know everything. Yes. They save all data. Like, I just don't understand. I mean, you obviously are getting rid of or trying to get rid of shit. Take the SIM card. It's small. Mm-hmm. Put it in your bra, something, and then go. Yep. Not just, like, leave it intact inside the camera. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yes. Okay. So, I threw my cell phone in the washer, but it had a life-proof case on it. Like, that's <laughs> basically what that was. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Heather Connor also testified and showed the pictures of the bloody handprint that was in the hallway, kind of like, I think it was like in between the bedroom and the bathroom. And the handprint had a mixture of Travis's and Jody's DNA in it. So after that, the prosecution called Dr. Kevin Horn, and he is the Maricopa County Medical Examiner. And his testimony talked about how Travis had been stabbed 27 times. Again, he was shot in the right eyebrow, and basically he was almost decapitated yeah, with the with his throat being cut. really bad. Mm-hmm. Like, down to his voice box and his arteries were all oh, cut. Oh, gosh. Severed. So, also, kind of back to the details of the body. So, hit skip at least one time if you don't want these details. Dr. Horn talked about how his body was decomposing and, like, starting to mummify just in the amount of days that it had taken yeah, to be found. Yeah, that's what it looked like. Yeah. And that the stab wounds were really deep and took some force behind them. Yeah. They put the cause of death as excessive blood loss. Um, and the Dr. Horn said that it was impossible to know, you know, kind of which came first. Like, did he die from the bullet wound or was that the first thing just because of the amount of decomposition? They, mm. they couldn't know. Wow. So then... Elizabeth Norcutt, who is a firearms examiner, a forensic firearms examiner with the Mesa police, she was called to the stand, and she talked about how the spent casing was identified as a Winchester twenty-five caliber casing, and that that was the same bullet that was found in Travis's cheek. But then yeah. on cross-examination, they were like, she said, no, that she, there 
was no gun for her to be able to match it to. So, but what they're alluding to there is that the twenty five caliber was stolen from Jody's grandparents' mm-hmm. house. It was like this random theft when she was staying with them. Yeah. And $30, a DVD player, and a stereo, and a gun were taken. And then a month later, her boyfriend ends up dead with the same caliber gun. Right. A sketch. So then, the next day, Ron Burns, who was was her co-worker that she went to see. Mm-hmm. And so he testified that when she came to his house after she had killed Travis, that... Everything was fine. They talked. They hooked up. You know, nothing nothing really out of the ordinary of how she was acting. He did say that she, because she came to his house on June 5th, and that she got there a couple hours late, and he was noticed that she had dyed her hair, too, and yeah. that she had some cut on her fingers. But she said that she was working at a Margaritaville and got the cuts from broken glass. They... <laughs> I thought it was interesting that the prosecution asked him about how strong Jody was and that he was like, I mean, she's fit. She had close to a six pack. Uh, that, that was his quote. quote. Oh, my gosh. And um, he said that she's a lot stronger than she looks. Well, rage does make you a little bit stronger. Truth. Can you imagine their sex? So after that, if she has that adrenaline that from killing Travis. Oh, my God. Right. I, I bet know. they had, like, the best sex that they've ever had. Right? Or she scared him shitless with it. <laughs> I was like, whoa. New hair, who did? <laughs> so then the prosecution called two more witnesses that just talked about the fingerprints and the DNA. Then they called Heather Connor back to the stand to testify about the palm print, as well as the, like, carpet stains and the, the clothes, like, all the stuff that was in the dryer. yeah. And then Esteban Flores was called back to the stand, and he they replayed the like phone interview. They talked about that again, and in that interview part that they played, Jody told him that guns were one of the things she was afraid of, guns and public speaking, and that was one of the things Travis was trying to get her to do, but was to get out of her comfort zone. The comments about the guns came up during a discussion with Flores when she talked about the trip that she took to visit... Burns in Utah, mm-hmm. and she said that she slept in her car during the drive from Wairika, California, to West Jordan, Utah. Hmm. And she said, I'm not shy about sleeping in my car. And then <laughs> Flores was like, well, that's kind of dangerous. Yeah. And she was like, I was thinking of that. And then she said that, and then she said, handguns are expensive and not in my price range. <laughs> That's why I stole one from my grandma. Right. And then so they talked more about her thoughts on guns and that she she wanted to know. Jody wanted to know if Travis had cashed a $200 check that she had given him for a car payment. Wow. <laughs> I mean, when you're hard up for money, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> I mean, I know he's dead and all, but did he cash that? Yes. She said she had emailed the, um, his sister to ask about the check and to offer her condolences after she found out about Travis's death and that the sister never replied. <laughs> uh, duh, because she thinks she did it, moron. Yeah. When I was looking at the pictures, though, I did find 
I did see pictures of the check, and it really is like a two hundred dollar check <laughs> written out to him, and then like at the bottom in the four line, it's like yeah. car payments. <laughs> okay, okay. So but why did she rent a car if she was paying? Yeah, there's for a, a car. Yeah, there's a bunch in here that I don't. We're, I don't think we're going to cover because it's like, I mean, like bazillions of receipts, like in pictures of like when you're looking at the pictures of all the evidence and stuff, it's like all these gas yeah. receipts and and all of that that like prove her trek from yeah Wairika to Utah, you know, just stuff like that. And so, all right. So on the fifth day, they called Nathaniel Mendez, a detective with the Suzuki. I don't know if I'm saying that. <laughs> Sizikiu, I don't know. I fucked that up, I'm sure. County Sheriff's Department, California. Sorry, Californians. I know I fucked that up. <laughs> but he said, um, there's no Margaritaville in Wairika. <laughs> he, well, and again, that's so funny that this is the next part, and I just said this, but that he found receipts that showed that she had rented the car on the 2nd and of June, and she had returned it six days later, and she had put twenty over 2,800 miles on it. Holy Fuck. Yeah. So the prosecution called a, a bunch more witnesses about, like, blood splatter and DNA. And they even called Flores back to the stand because he had said some stuff that was kind of a misunderstanding. Just trivial yeah. things. Well, on January 14th, the prosecutor was showing, like, all the photos from the camera. And, like, at one point... Martinez, who's the prosecutor, like, threw the camera on the floor, just, like, for dramatic effect. And the defense attorney was like, uh, objection? What the fuck? You're going to destroy this evidence because yeah. for dramatic what effect. You're throwing the shit on the floor? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Oh well, then, <laughs> so then on January 16th, the prosecution rests its case with basically this projector, like an overhead projector of... Like, like, illicit photos of Jody and of Travis's, like, bloody body next to it. And so, from that, the trial was put on hiatus for, like, 10 days because the ju- the attorneys and the judge were trying to decide how the case should move forward because they were, like, the press, I mean, I'm sorry, the defense was, like, this is bullshit. He, like, put these pictures up. Yeah. Know, yada, yada, yada. So, all right. On January 4th of 2013 is when Jody took the stand in her own defense. She was on the stand for 18 days. Holy fuck. It's like, I mean, like unprecedented how long she was on the stand. So while she was on the stand, she talked about a bunch of different things. She said she was abused as a child. She talked about their sex life that we talked about already, how they did a lot of like oral and anal sex because... Travis would be like, well, that's not technically against the Mormon mm-hmm. rules and all of that. And then a phone sex tape was played where Travis was saying that he wanted to zip tie her to a tree and have anal sex with her while she dresses Little Red Riding Hood. But she was egging him on. Oh, yeah. Well, in this even, like I even said, like she seemed super enthusiastic and into it. But then that's when she said that he was secretly fond of young girls and boys and yeah. That but she tried like, to help him. It's like, mm, why would she be recording this? Because she recorded that uh-huh. session. Mm-hmm. I feel like she was setting him up 
recording him. Mm-hmm. So when he's like, no, I don't want to be with you, blah, 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 blah. She'd be like, oh, really? What would your new girlfriend think about this? Absolutely. But then she's like, oh, I can play this. As part of my defense. Uh-huh. Yep. But how she was doing it, too. It was just so fucking odd. Yeah. You know, like, one, I'd be like, what? Like, she threw in <laughs> some mouth hugs. <laughs> <laughs> It was just very, like, she wanted him, again, she was egging him on or edging, however you fucking say it. You I know, would say egging. Okay. You know I'd never know the correct terminology on those <laughs> things. Case in point, I said battle-lack. <laughs> and it's battle-lacks, I figured out, like, two years ago. <laughs> well into her 30s. <laughs> yes. But how, like, if I heard that tape... Which, I mean, I did. But as a jury member, mm-hmm. I'd be like, something's weird about that because of how she was, yes. like, bringing it out of him, too. So he was trying to pleasure her. Like, yeah. you know, do what she wanted to do. Right. Like, absolutely. Oh, you're leading me here? I'm going to drink that water. Yes. Like, absolutely. She also testified about, she said that he was physically and emotionally abusive. She said that he would say things to her like, I'm fucking sick of you. She would scream at, I'm sorry, he would scream at her all the time. She said that he body slammed me on the floor. He would be like, don't act like that hurts. And then that he would kick her in the ribs and call her a bitch and all these different things. She like held up her hand to show that her ring finger was crooked. And she said it was from him because like that she put her hand out one time to stop him from kicking her. And then... But it couldn't be from her childhood when she was abused. I mean, or like a basketball game when she right? was a kid, you know, <laughs> and jammed her finger. I don't know. Or hereditary. Yeah. I know. My pinkies are crooked. Mm-hmm. True story, y'all. True story. So whenever I murder someone, I'm like, but look what they did to my pinkies. <laughs> she also, when she was on the stand addressed the no jury's going to convict me because she said that she was suicidal and she said this was her quote at the time i had plans to commit suicide so i was extremely confident that no jury would convict me because i didn't expect any of you to be here and then like okay but then when on, on cross-examination the prosecutor played the vid- the video again where she was like at the end where she was like because i'm innocent yeah a lot of people were saying that, like, those 18 days on the stand really hurt her because she was a really terrible witness. And, yes, you know, she's whatever. Okay. This is an interesting part. In Arizona, the jury can send questions to the defendant, like, to be asked oh. during the trial. So while she was on the stand, she had to answer 150 questions from the jury. Holy shit. Yes. So that 150 questions was actually already trimmed down by the attorneys who had taken questions out that were wow. like inappropriate or asked. What color panties are you wearing? <laughs> are your boobs real? <laughs> Do you have lip injections? <laughs> you know what? It's such a weird thought because, I mean, they all know I have braces right now and so I'm like on a teeth kick. But she has really pretty teeth and she smiles a lot like without showing her teeth. And I wonder why. I'm like, she has such pretty teeth. wonder why she smiles with her mouth closed a lot. Hmm. Anyway. Well, that <laughs> that reminds me of the color purple. And it's Whoopi Goldberg's character. And 
she like would hide her smile mm-hmm. because of like the torment that you know she was bullied about it and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that just reminded me of that. So maybe that's why like she got bullied about yeah her teeth and maybe you know I don't maybe. know. The questions that the jury asked were super tough. Like they, like one time, like one question was point blank: How are we supposed to know when you're telling the truth because you've told lies? Okay, like how she do we said, tell? If I blink three times, that's the truth. <laughs> yeah. Oh my Pick gosh. up Star Magazine, turn to page sixty nine, and read the third paragraph. That is the truth. There you go. Okay, so one of the, a psychiatrist, I'm sorry, a psychologist for the defense diagnosed Jody with post-traumatic stress disorder. And like during cross-examination, the prosecutor accused him of having feelings for Jody. With all of the publicity around the trial, they even had to call the jurors in and question them to, to see if they had seen the prosecutor sign in autographs and stuff and like oh posing gosh. for the cameras like because the prosecutor Juan Martinez had become like a celebrity yeah because he's the prosecutor on Jody Arias well and I mean he has an awesome name right on April 1st 2013 and this is not a joke the one of the jurors was dismissed because so Mila Omanovic Mm-hmm. She was, like, had made some prejudi- prejudicial comments in front of other jurors. So she was mm-hmm. she was um, dismissed. Then a psychologist that was testifying as an abuse expert, Alice LaViolette, she said that Jody Arias was, like, had Snow White syndrome and said that Snow White was, like, a battered woman because she like had to do all the cleaning and all of that. And like they, I mean like just the, just the ridiculousness of the things that they argued about. They argued about whether the dwarves had a house or a cottage or a shack and like asked like, do you know how old the dwarves were? What? The dwarves. That's not what they're called. The dwarves. P.S. That is not a nice word. No, Um, it's not. But what? But just like, just ridiculous shit. Then, the juror that what Mila that was um Ixnade. Uh-huh. She came back to court to just watch. Well, yeah, she had to follow through. Yeah. So Mila Omanovic, she's thirty eight, she was a Bosnian immigrant. She lived in Phoenix. And so she like got all of this attention for showing up to court after she was dismissed. Yeah. So again, just like the circus that was involved in this case. Yeah. So then on April twelfth Judge Sherry Stevens dismissed another juror because apparently he was ill. That's all I know about that. Then on May 1st, a third juror was dismissed. Daniel Gibb, he was dismissed because he was arrested for a DUI. What? How old was he? I don't know. Oh. There's a Daniel Gibb that is an American Ninja Warrior. Oh, probably not the same one. (laughs) He's from Texas, though. Probably not the same one. Okay, go ahead. So, I mean, it's just, again, just the circus, circus of thing, you know, so it's like they started out with the six alternates, thank God, because yeah. <laughs> they had to use half of them. Oh, my gosh. All right. On May 8th of 2013 is when Jody Arias was found guilty of first-degree murder. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay. So then they that like brings us into the penalty phase where they were trying to give her the death penalty. Uh-huh. And during the penalty phase, the jurors, it was like a mistrial on the, not on the verdict, on whether she should get the death penalty or not. Mm-hmm. Because five jurors found her guilty of just premeditated murder, and seven said she was guilty for both premeditated and felony murder. Mm-hmm. And then, so the judge called a mistrial, again, just of the yeah death penalty. She's still guilty. And then, so they did it again. And then it was deadlocked again, 11 to 1. And so they were like, okay, fuck it. She's getting life in prison. Yeah. So they were like, like I said, because they were like, fuck it, let's not do it again. The family was like, all right, fine. Just give her the life sentence with no possibility of parole. Because they're like, at this point, there is no way we could get an untainted jury. Like, right. there's just, there's just absolutely, it'd be like trying to retry OJ. You know, there's yeah. just no freaking way. She did have some appeals and all of that, but... Blah. Yeah. She guilty. So what is she doing in jail now? I feel like she's making stuff. Living her best life. But I feel like, really, she's making stuff. Also, I remember watching something, and they said that Jody went into his house when he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I lot. saw that. Like, Continue, that through the dog door. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, she definitely... Did not understand boundaries. Yes. But again, he also led her on to, you know, where he would play her. But yeah, she did not understand boundaries. No, she didn't. She, in 2016, she did a phone call with rapper Kareem Lefty Williams, who made a music video about the convicted murderer. (laughs) Has she not got married in jail? Mm-mm. What? Yep. She complained about the food on their call. <laughs> but does she watch Orange is the New Black? <laughs> she, I guess, had requested to leave to attend the funeral for her dad. But she couldn't because, like, for inmates to be able to leave for, like, a funeral or whatever, they have to stay in Arizona. And because he's in California. Mm, that sucks. But they say that. But then again, you know, that's hard. But then Dan does it because... No, I know. It, I mean, it sucks, but again, you killed someone. Yeah, it's like you made your bed. Yeah. Well, she's in maximum security prison. So basically, she's in her cell like 23 hours a day. She only gets eight hours... A, I'm sorry, six hours a week where she gets like rec time where mm-hmm. she can go outside. And it said, too, that where she is, it doesn't have air conditioning. Oh. And so... During the summer in Arizona. Oh, that yeah. gets stanky. Hot. Um, that she gets to shower a couple of times a week. She can have... Only um, a couple of times? A few times a week. Yeah, they don't get out to shower. It's like they shower every other day. In oh. Maximum, like, or isolation. Like, where they're in, in their cell 23 hours a day. No, they yeah. only come out, like, every other day or so to shower. Oh, dang. Yeah. She's able to have a couple of hours of non-contact visits each week. And then, like, as she has good behavior, she can earn more and more. But And she can have 20 people on her visitation list, and they have to pay for their background checks to, like, be on that list. Dang. And, like, so she's going to be in there a long time, but she's able to go down from maximum to medium security prisoner. So she will eventually get some more freedoms, but 
because she's in there for life, she'll never be able to be lower than a medium oh. security prisoner just based on their, their laws. Hmm. So, And you've never seen her in lockup? No. Because, you know, you are the lockup expert. I do love that show. Well, in 2016, the Daily Mail, I don't know how legit this is, this article is, but the yeah. Daily Mail said that she has found a, a lover, oh. one would might say, but that she's not saying who it is, Oh, and they're planning a wedding, and she wants to have kids. Meanwhile, <laughs> Arizona does not allow conjugal visits, so... <laughs> I don't know. Get them. She's sneaky, though. She probably going to have them sneaking some semen in. Uh-huh. And then... Check the Star Magazine, people. <laughs> right. Cosmo, actually. Look, if the pages are sticking together... Ew! <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, but the Daily Mail also says that she spends up to nine hours a day Skyping with followers and fans from her cell. So, I don't know. I don't know which is true. Does she... I don't know. She can Skype from her cell? That's fucking ridiculous. If that's the case, how do they have Skype but not AC? Air? I don't know. I mean, fuck Skype. I want air. Right? But that's how narcissist she is. She's probably like, oh, no. I'd rather Skype. Yes. Well, okay. Here's a question. Unlimited calls and texts, please. Would you? Okay. Well, how would you be in prison? Would you be like... One that, like, works out all the fucking time. Um, no. Or would you be one that's like, God, that bitch gained some fucking weight in jail. I'd be Big Cindy. Yes. That's who I'd be. I don't know who I'd be from Orange is the New Black. I like to think I would be red. I wouldn't, though. That's not. Oh, oh. <laughs> I thought you were talking about Wentworth red. Oh, no. <laughs> that's a good prison show oh my god if you Australian oh god yes such a fucking good show if you don't watch Wentworth on Netflix it is dark yes it's kind of like Orange is the New Black but not at all like it's a prison (laughs) show and it's it's alike in that it's a women's prison Mm -hmm. and that's about it Yes. No. But it, and it like follows these women's lives and it has does have like this main central character B is her name it is such a good fucking show. Oh my gosh. It's like four seasons in. Yeah. You can binge them all and it's like Orange is New Black if Orange is New Black would fucking shank your ass. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's so good. So good. And mm-hmm. it's Australian so I mean come on. Right. They call drugs gear. I know. What do they call the poli- the corrections officers? Oh. Oh, um, shit. Screws. Yeah, screws. They call the corrections <laughs> officer screws. Something else funny that it's like, oh my God, I love hearing all the lingo. I know. But anyway, really, you should watch that. Who would you be in prison? Well, in Orange is the New Black. You would be... Tasty? No. No. You'd be... You know who I'd be? Mara. Or Marla. Or whatever it is. <laughs> Oh, my God. You. <laughs> oh, and she drives a lot. <laughs> and Carrie's always the driver. Oh, that's funny. Boy crazy and you have your license. <laughs> Nothing has described me better. At least you're not Piper. No, we could fuck, not no, be friends. No, she's so she is Annoying. such a victim. Yes. Okay. 
Jody Arias. Jody is Piper. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm ready for your story. Are you though? I am. Picture it. Okay. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to go. Picture it. Right. I'm not. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you know how they say there's several different reasons a house is haunted. You know, like it could be ghosts. Well, okay. ghosts. No, no and ghosts. No, I mean that's what haunts a house, but why it happened? Just Mid. like, mm-hmm. Just like how we always say about your serial killers, like they had a bad childhood, yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, we know tragedy is definitely a key component, mm-hmm. and the Monte Cristo homestead. Is no different. Dun, dun, dun. dun. Okay, okay. Hit me with it. Don't know it. Don't know it. Like as in the count? Nah, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) Always trying to trip a girl up, but I landed on two fucking feet. You could have been like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, cool. Okay. I had no idea. (laughs) Okay. Let me just, fair warning. When I was... Researching this, all I could think about was Crisco, because I'm a southern big girl, and I love me some fried chicken. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know... Fried anything, you got to put Crisco on it. Yeah. But, like, chicken, it's really good. Meh. Oh, Lord. High maintenance. (laughs) (laughs) But... And then all I think about is the help. Yes. When she's, like, got a little, uh, like, blah, put some Crisco on it. Yes. You know, that kind of thing. So, if I say Crisco, it's actually Cristo. Yeah. Just putting that disclaimer out there. Just bear with me. Okay. <laughs> we all know speech is not my forte. Mine either. You heard me mess up 14 times earlier. <laughs> or was it 13? <laughs> you couldn't see it, but our eyes shifted <laughs> back and forth. <laughs> that was like a 20-minute pause, too. <laughs> Because I couldn't decide if I wanted to go. Doo, 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 doo. Yes, you should have. Damn. Okay. Rewind that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that was. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Do you know where that's located? I bet you don't. If you guess, I swear to God. Italy. No. New Jersey. Okay, no. Stop <laughs> guessing. <laughs> Idaho. It was. It's located in Juni, with two E's, which is in the uh, New South Wales, which is in Australia. Oh God, you love Australia. Oh yes, I do. Okay, <laughs> single Aussie guys hit a girl up. Well, I was gonna do a sidebar. Should we talk about the extra large pizza thing? Oh, today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sidebar. So you know how last episode when Donna was talking about her imag- well, not imaginary, but fake boyfriend London Mike from Homance Chronicles. Um, he joined our private Facebook group, BTW. So I'm one step closer to being full time stalker <laughs> and to us being sued for sexual harassment. <laughs> um, no. Okay. So when Donna said. He's not into extra large pizza. He likes personal pan. <laughs> Our girls from Homance Chronicles, because we have a group chat with them. And 
<laughs> they thought she meant like he wants he likes a personal pan pizza because it's selfish. We were like, no, Donna and I are extra large pizzas because we are extra large. <laughs> he likes thin girls who are personal pan size, and they were like, oh. So yes. So if anybody else thought that, that's what we meant. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm big and I relate everything to food. Yeah. So back to the Australia boys. <laughs> if you like the extra large pizzas, mm-hmm. hit two girls up. Donna first because she loves your freaking accent. Yes. I'll take one for the team. <laughs> uh, and we're saucy. You know, We like sausage. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't like sausage. <laughs> okay. It was a good tangent. I mean, we got to talk about boys, so... Mm-hmm. London Mike. I'm going to be Denmark Donna, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm back from Denmark, and now I'm in Australia. Okay, okay. It, it being Monty... Christo. Yes, Homestead. Okay. Monty Christo Homestead. It is Australia's most haunted house. What? Why Mm -hmm. don't I know this? I didn't know it either. But it said Australia, and I was like, I'm down for it. Sign me up. Yes. Or down. Sign me down. Down under. Us. (laughs) Okay. Where I like my men. (laughs) 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 Oh, shit. But true. (laughs) So the construction of the Monte Cristo homestead... That's a mouthful. I mean, I like a mouthful, but not when I'm trying to talk. That's what she said. (laughs) Quite literally. Yeah. Literally a second ago. So the construction began in 1884 by Christopher William Crawley. So he was once a poor farmer. And that reminded me of that Queen song or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I can't go up that high, so I'm not even going to try. Well, and you know I don't know words, so. <laughs> you probably thought that's what he said. He was once a poor farmer, but it said, Chance, good fortune, and business acumen elevated him with great wealth. <laughs> that was a copy and paste. Mm-hmm. That's why I said it said. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to try to take credit for acumen. (laughs) I only know men. (laughs) And acupuncture and that shit I don't want to do. (laughs) But men, check yes. Acupuncture is good. I mean, I know you hate a a needle. Mm Mm-hmm. So what that whole thing was saying is that he had the foresight to build the railway hotel Opposite what was soon to become a railway station. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so when the Great Southern Railway line opened in 1878, the town exploded. And they needed a place to stay for the That's night. That's right. And so he became very, very wealthy. I want to be very, very wealthy. Me too. Just kidding. I just want my student loans paid off. <laughs> I just want to be comfortable. I just want to be able to buy $300 $300 worth of clothes and not hate myself in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) But those kimonos, though. I mean, obsessed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who did you say I turned into? Titus from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, yeah. (laughs) When Donna put her kimono on this weekend, legit, she transformed 
and Can ham or Blanche or a mixture. It, yes. <laughs> oh gosh. If Blanche and Titus had a love child, <laughs> it would be Donna. It would be fabulous in the kimono. <laughs> so he became a pillar of the community, and so of course he wanted his home to reflect his rising status. Because men love to show their penises off. It's always a pissing contest. Yep. So he's like, bigger, bigger, bigger. And his wife's like, more, more, more. Harder, harder, harder. Faster, faster, faster. Not the right spot. (laughs) Damn, you're never satisfied. (laughs) And we just made a porno. (laughs) As long as it pays off my student loans. I just wanted to go to college. (laughs) Oh, God. Monte Cristo Homestead. Okay, y'all. Can I just say MCH? Heretofore to be known as the MCH of the Homestead of the Cristos and the Montes. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so MCH. It included... Three, well, includes, it's still up and going. Three bedrooms, two box rooms, which I don't... Maybe they got a lot of Amazon packages. (laughs) Girl, I need one of those. A sitting room, a drawing room, dining room, and a breakfast room. The exterior boasted stables to house his prized racehorses. But did they win, like... What what was it? Victory? Is that the name of the horse that just won? I think so. The three. I was waiting on you to come get me for, I guess, the shopping. And so it was on that channel, like NBC or something. And he changed the silks, the jockey that he had worn uh, the past two things. And so people were like, oh, shit. Yeah. Is this going to fuck it up? You know, like, why would you change? Yeah. Whatever, but he did it for a reason. Anyway, but I was like, oh, my God, what if he loses? Then I came back, and he won. And I was like, oh. I don't know what that means, change the silks. His his uh, his outfit. His outfit or the horse's outfit? Oh, I think it's his. Okay. Because his little jacket's, like, silk. Silky, right? I don't Beast know. Beat the fuck out of me. I don't go to the Kentucky Derby. Me either. I know nothing about horses. Other than I fed some carrots to one one time. Hmm. True story. <laughs> okay, so they had stables to house his racehorses. Okay. So also outside, he, so stables, a dairy, and a grand ballroom. Outside? Yeah, like, I mean, it's outside of their house, but it's different okay. things. What do you call them? Outhouses. Yeah, but... Not to shit in. (laughs) Yeah, just buildings. Non-shittable outhouses. (laughs) But, okay, so they had a grand ballroom, which stood opposite of the original homestead, which they converted into the servant quarters. So they said, to the outside world, the Crawleys appeared to be like I said, pillars of society. Mm-hmm. Both were devout Catholics who donated money to the churches and the community. But behind closed doors, there was suggestion that 
Mr. Crawley got two ladies, two uh, houseworkers pregnant. <gasps> yeah. And that his wife was kind of a bitch. Oh, no. Yeah. So who was Chris Crawley other than with his fine business acumen? Mm -hmm. He was born in Sydney in 1841, and he died at MCH on the 14th of December, 1910, at the age of 69, your favorite number. I mean... Best of both worlds, right? <laughs> she's a giver. She's a taker. She's both. <laughs> At the same time. <laughs> okay, so the cause of his death was heart failure brought on by the gangreneness. I don't know, abscess on his neck. Ew. Yeah. You know that stonk? Can we just call him Goiter? Goiter guy. Gigi. Gigi. And it said it was caused by the rubbing of his starched collars. Like, what did they starch it with? I bet he had, like, like an ingrown hair or something. Uh-huh. And it, like, rubbed and made, like, a boil. A boil. Yeah. And and he needed, like, antibiotics, and they didn't have them back then. And so it, create, it kept getting yeah. infected and infected, and it was gangrene. I bet that's what happened. That's a sad... Thing like could have been easy, but you died <laughs> because it, of the times. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, he was basically playing the Oregon Trail, and he got <laughs> like, you know, his oxen died, his axle broke forging the river. Yeah, exactly. They got he got dysentery, and you, <laughs> he died immediately. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, note to self: don't start your collars. <laughs> Use Crisco. <laughs> I mean, you can use Crisco for a lot of things. You can. Your feet. Yes. That's all I can think of. Well, I was thinking something else. I know but you are. Usually it would be you thinking that. Anyway, okay, so his wife, Elizabeth Crawley, they often described her as Queen Victoria type. She wore black lace dress, lace cap, and the cap with a stand uh, stand-up beaded collar. Like, so the, like, Elizabethan kind of closing. Elizabethan? Yeah, that's it. Whatever. <laughs> what did I, the hell did I even say? Uh, what did you, I don't know. I, Not that, though. Yeah, apparently I didn't write that one down. <laughs> Siri, remind me to Google shit. <laughs> I would die if it was like, I'll remind you to Google shit. Because ours is just the... Australian accent, too. Uh-huh, yeah. That's what you meant. No, I didn't. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I was like, oi. Okay. So, she was said, like I said, to be extremely, you know, strict ruler. And they said that she ruled with an iron hand. On August 12th, 1933, she died at the age of 92. Gaw! From a ruptured appendix. What? Yeah. Not from her starched collars. That's pretty old for your appendix to burst. I mean, sure. I don't know. Are you calling bullshit on that? No, 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 no. I'm just like, damn. <laughs> Can you imagine living to 92 <laughs> and then a piece of you that you don't even fucking need 
ruptures and you die. Right. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, so in 1948, the last of the Crawley family left Monte Cristo. Almost said Crisco. MCH. Try to be fancy. Just back to basics. 1948, the last of them were like, peace out, MCH. The graves of the Crawleys and their daughter, who I'll talk about in a little bit, they can be seen at the local Juni Cemetery. The property was left empty for the next 15 years. God, that's a long time. Yeah. The contents of the house, they were sold off, and a succession of caretakers failed to care properly for the building, so it just got vandalized and was, like, decrepit. In 1963, it was bought by Reginald and Olive Ryan. Side note, I love the name Olive. I think that's such a sweet name. Mm -hmm. The couple restored the house to its former glory and occupied it as their home before opening it up as a haunted house to the public. So, they start to call him Reg. So, like, they're on a first-name basis. Okay. So, we are two. Okay. So, Reg and Olive Ryan. That is just a name you know is not meant for me. Reginald Ryan. Like, just add royal to it and then I'm fucked. I'm royally fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, they bought the abandoned and vandalized property on June 3rd, 1963, old Reg, he moved everyone in, including his young children, into this rundown old house immediately after purchasing it. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. The conditions were terrible. There was no running water, <gasps> no electricity, Mm-mm. and most of the doors and windows were missing. Ew. Nope. Mm-mm. Like, nope. 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 <laughs> All I was like... Daddy's gone crazy, mm-hmm. and he's going to kill us all. <laughs> and a raccoon just walked in the door. <laughs> Meet your pet raccoon. Don't touch. In an interview, Reg said that he believes he has a connection with the house and the ghostly residence. He didn't know it was haunted at first, but he just, when he saw it, he felt somehow connected to it and drawn to it, and he would, like, often drive by it, you know, like, not going to it, but it would happen, like, to be autopilot, you yeah, know, and yeah. be like, oh, there it is. So, it was a calling he could not resist, and he said he would someday own that property, and... And he did. hmm June 3rd was the fucking day. Not long after they moved into the property, they returned one night to find the house, like, beaming with light, you know, like, yeah. lights everywhere. With no electricity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No electricity. And they owned just one kerosene lamp. Then, when they got closer to it, like, so they're, like, coming on up. Mm-hmm. And then the lights just all went off. What? Yeah. Like, right then I would have been like, nope, nope, nope. Turning the car yeah. around. <laughs> like, Motel 6, they'll leave the light on for us. <laughs> But they have electricity. Yeah, (laughs) but it's not going to be haunted. It's not creepy light. (laughs) He said that he often felt the presence of others, especially in the drawing room, but has never gotten a bad feeling or had a bad experience with a ghost. And uh, he said that they certainly like him and his family and never caused harm or any distress to them 
over all the years that they lived there. So it's not like a creepy haunted right. thing. It's more about the past yeah. that's creepy. Okay, so the MCH is said to be haunted by up to 10 troubled souls and poltergeist. Gah. Yeah. Some remain unidentified, and then some have a strong link with the house and can be traced back through history. It's got a dark history. A stable boy who dies from fire. Oh, my gosh. What they describe is as a mentally handicapped boy, and his story's a sad one. And, of course, Mrs. Crowley, because mm, some other shit comes up on her. Okay. Right now, the people who own the house are are the Ryans, Reg, and Olive, their son and his wife. Okay. Uh, and they're the ones who, like, do all the tours mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, Lawrence Ryan is his name, and he said that they don't go a week without someone having a reaction to the house, either by fainting, asthma attacks, hearing things, or seeing full-body apparitions. Dang. Yeah, he said, it's never, ever bad, and they tend to leave us alone, but they are not keen on visitors being there all the time. And he said that uh, the ghost tours, if you're interested, which I think I would be, but I don't know. They involve a bed and breakfast in the servants' quarters, as well as a two and a half hour candle lit walk through MCH. Hmm. So, so do they live in MCH now? I think that so. family. Okay. Yeah. And the servants' quarters so. was that one of those like out outside buildings, non shit outhouses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he said that. You either get the best sleep of your life or no sleep at all, which that would probably be me and you. You'd get the best sleep of your life and I'd get no sleep at all. I can always go to sleep. <laughs> be like, Carrie, did you hear that? And you're like, shut the fuck up. I like, wouldn't even hear you say that. No, you'd probably just slap me. Just be snoring. <laughs> oh, God. You, yes, that, and I'd be like. <gasps> <gasps> and I would just be snoozing. <laughs> Let's see. He said that some people don't make it through the night and drive into town to stay there. Uh, they wake up seeing children or spirits of the servants. Oh, my gosh. Um, the second floor of the house has has a lot of the activity. It's seen at least three deaths. Oh. Yeah. A young woman who died after a long and torturous labor. Some say that she didn't have labor but an abortion But, I don't know. You know, two conflicting things. Then, Chris Crawley himself died from the whole goiter, goil thing. But in that room. It's now known as the boys' bedroom. And sad faces are often seen staring in through the second story windows. Even though there's no balcony outside. In front of, you know, in front of that. There's a balcony in the front of the house, but where they're seen, it's nothing. What? And it's like people's faces that are sad? Yeah. Oh, my God. So, some disturbing shit happened when the Ryan family lived there. They discovered that some of their chickens were strangled in a pen, which was secure. So, like, no animal could get in and do it. Yeah. And who would do it? Yeah. 
a parrot choked to death in its locked cage, and kittens were found dead and mutilated in the breakfast room. Oh, gosh. Yes. So, it's like, ew. Why do they have to hurt animals? I don't know. BTW, did you see what Christy, I think it was Christy, posted in the Facebook group, and it was chickens and she said she named one Blanche. Yes. And it had the crazy frou-frou feathers. Yes, I saw that. Oh, God. Spirit animal. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that was me when I put on the kimono. Oh, my God, yes. (laughs) Other phenomena was recorded by those who visit the home. They feel not, they feel nauseated. They faint. They have overwhelming sadness. Icy touches, whispered messages, mm-hmm. uh, unexplained mist, and full-body apparitions. What? Yeah. Lawrence, he said that um, growing up in the old house, like, he knew something wasn't right, but it was never just, like, totally crazy yeah. that it was haunted, you know? Yeah. But it just kept getting, like, more people validated it. Um, he said that it always felt like someone was watching him. And then after all of the series of accidents, like, with the animals and stuff, just kind of was, like, too creepy to be a coincidence. Yeah. And when his wife, Sophia, came to live in the house with them, she claims that she has a deeper connection with the the house itself, too, She said that she believes that she had a past life there. And she said that through spiritual journeys and stuff, she has learned that she was one of the maids there. What? Again, I don't know. I'm just saying what they said. But, I mean, how cool. I believe in past lives and stuff. Who were we talking to? Oh, Tiffany. And she was talking about Monica the medium mm-hmm. and, like, what did she say? That you pick your parents? Yeah, like, that medium was saying that you make, like, your spirits make pacts with with other spirits to be, like, best friends on Earth. Or you pick your parents, which is fuzzy to me. Yeah. Because some people have some really shitty parents. And right. So, you know, I don't know how, why that's. I don't know how that works. Yeah. You know. So we thought that was cool thinking about the friends. Like, oh my God, what if we all knew each other before? Okay. So anyway, more about the ghost. The ones that we know that have been identified. Okay. Miss Crowley. She is one of the most powerful presents at MCH. She, something to know about her that she was basically a recluse. After the death of her husband. God, and that was like 30 years. Because he died when he was 60, and then she died when she was 90. Mm-hmm. I think it was 23. Okay, well, poor math. <laughs> I don't know. Um, She confined herself to the limits of her home, and she actually uh, converted one of the box rooms to a little church for her. And she, like, studied the Bible All the time. So she, like, didn't even have to leave the house to go to church. Right. And they said that they think she only left the MCH twice in those years. Oh, gosh. Yeah. 
However, they said that it could be because she might have been part Aboriginal. Aborigines. Aborigines. And that was like frowned upon because most of the servants and stuff were Aborigines. Mm -hmm. And so they were, you know, quote unquote lesser. Yeah. And so they said she might have had a touch of that. Mm. And so after her husband died, the one who was wealthy and white and all of this, then she was kind of shunned. That's so shitty. Yeah. Yeah. But again, she was a bitch to the servants. Probably because she was part Aborigines. Like, even the smallest part. But that was something that she was bullied about, obviously. Right. And so she She took it out. Yep. Yep. Psych 101 with no credentials. (laughs) (laughs) Olive Ryan, the mom, she's had a hand on her shoulder, and she said that she's heard her name called, and when she goes out there, it's nothing, and but it's like a woman's voice, mm-hmm. you know, and so she thinks that Miss Crawley kind of had a, like, a liking to her. Yeah. Well, it was like the woman of the house. Yeah. In both situations. Yeah. Okay. So they said, again, that she dressed in black, and she carried a silver cross, and she said that that that's what people see, is a lady in black with the silver, with cross. The silver cross. Dang. Mm-hmm. Also, they said that she can be seen and felt. So if she gets upset by you, you will incur her wrath. Hmm. Like what? Lawrence said, everything from your dress, mannerisms, or the way you talk can influence Mrs. Crowley. She will either like you or not like you. And she will always be the real maiden of the house. Hmm. Uh, He said, if you don't want to feel her icy glare, a whispered threat, or a short, sharp shove in your back, be sure to mind your manners and be on your very, very best behavior. Out of all of that, I'm mostly impressed that you said short, sharp, shirt, skirt, <laughs> yes. swim shoot. I don't know. What else did you say? Short, sharp, shove. Yeah. That was impressive. Thank you. I would have messed that up. That would have been my R's. That would have been my <laughs> rural. Why you had to bring that word up? <laughs> <laughs> also, they said that visitors to the MCH have felt themselves pushed out of rooms in in which she is said to haunt mostly. So if she doesn't like you, she's just going to be like, uh, Get up out of my room. Get the fuck out. Could you imagine, like, walking and then, like, stop, but, like, your feet are still walking, but you're, like... Yeah. There. And they've also heard her weeping. Oh, In God. rooms that she's said to haunt. Probably for her husband. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Another spirit is, of course, Mr. Crowley. He is also felt about the building, but not as powerful as Mrs. Crowley because, of course, women are the best. (laughs) What? Well, I was just thinking you would think it would be opposite because he's been a spirit longer, so he would be stronger. He's tired. Yeah, but they say, like, you know, the older a spirit, like, the stronger it is. Yeah. Well, 
not him. Uh, she was just an alpha female. Yeah. <laughs> he has been seen in the room where he died, which was called the boys' room. Mm-hmm. So, also on the second floor, I told you that shit had happened on the second floor. Mm-hmm. Another person is Ethel Crawley, and she died in 1917. She was, like, literally a baby. Was this their daughter that you were talking about? Okay. So, she died when she was with, it says, her nursemaid. She was dropped down the stairs. (gasps) And it said whether it was an accident or intentional, we'll never know. At the time, the nursemaid swore that there was a ghost that, like, pushed the baby out of her arms. What? And so she couldn't, like, she would fall down the stairs if she tried to rescue it. And to this day, visitors of the house still feel a strange atmosphere around the stairs. And they said that some feel an invisible force restraining or pushing them. And young children become agitated or upset, sometimes having tantrums, and some have asthma attacks around that staircase. Hmm. Yeah. And another person had said that they felt a tiny icy hand of a child slip into their hand. (gasps) I would be like, what? Because, you know, like, they love to wrap their, like, hand around your thumb Mm -hmm. or something. I'd be Mm -hmm. like, get behind me, Satan. I don't want no kid. I don't want no ghost kid. (laughs) Like, no. I wonder if it was like one of those little poltergeists that you mentioned that shoved them down the stairs. Yeah, might have been. Because what would it have been if the house was new? You know what I mean? Well, because you always have to think, though, if the Aborigines... (sighs) Why can't I say that? But if they were around there, it's probably... Some kind of land that true belonged to them. They got kicked out or killed over it. You know what I mean? True. So there's always some kind of hostile takeover of shit back in the day. True. Like, oh, a railroad's going to come through. Y'all can't be here. You'll scare off the blah, blah, blah. And so we're going to, you know, force yeah. you to leave. So all of that. are assholes. Yes. So all of that, they're like... You do not pass go. You do not collect $200. Get the fuck out of here. Reading Railroad is coming. (laughs) (laughs) Reading Rainbow? Yeah, but... You made it work. No, but it was the Reading Railroad. Monopoly. Oh. I thought you meant the show, Reading Rainbow. No, because I said collect $200. Yeah, but you say that a lot. I don't know. God, help me. Help me. (laughs) That was on the second floor stairs. Here is the boy with the fire. His name was Morris, and he was a stable boy. He worked for the Crawley family, and one day he was said to have taken ill and wasn't able to get up, was very sick, and Morris's boss set fire to the straw mattress on which he was sleeping (gasps) because he thought... He was just sleeping and wouldn't get up, which still um kind of fucking harsh. That is like a bit aggressive. Yeah. Okay, Ed Kemper, dial it down a notch. Right? That's ridiculous. Yeah. 
Like, here, I think you're faking and I think you're lazy, so I'm going to set your mattress on fire. Yeah. Like, what am what I going to sleep on fuck? after this? You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not Cinder fucking Rella. What the fuck? Okay. So, since he was actually sick and couldn't get up, the fire spread oh, and no. was burning him. And so, the boss was just like, oh, peace. What? Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, he's just a stable boy. Oh, my God. Motherfucker. So, they said, which is so sad, that they can still hear his screams in the stables. (laughs) Bless his heart. Oh, my gosh. Like, just thinking about the life he had to lead anyway. Yes. And then to die that way. Again, I say fire. It's, like, the worst. God. Another spirit is known as Harold Steele. He was the son of one of the maids, and... Was he the Crowley's son that he had with the maid? Mm-hmm. He is rumored to be the illegitimate <gasps> child of, of old Christopher old... Crowley. Wow. Yeah. Here's what's sad. So, as a youngster, he was involved in a carriage accident and sustained serious head injuries. Oh, this is the guy that you said they, they said, called. Mm-hmm. What did they call him? Mentally handicapped. Okay. That's what I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he had a traumatic brain injury. Right. Okay. After his accident, he developed an aggressive and violent personality. They Ergo, said. probably had a frontal lobe yeah. injury. Okay. And so what happened is that his mom, the maid, chained him. <gasps> yeah. Like outside where he could go outside and inside the house. Because if they let him go, he would go off and they couldn't trust him. That's what they said. Oh my God. Yeah. And so then so Reg said after all those years, he got dreadlocked hair because they didn't take care of him, <gasps> didn't do anything. And he would howl at night. What? So the locals thought he was a monster chained up in the house, and the kids would go and search for it. And so um, Harold would growl and hiss at them, and they would taunt him. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so throw things, say things, you know, be bratty kids. Oh, my gosh. And... Yeah. They said that people can still still hear those sounds at night of the howling and the growling. Oh gosh. Yeah. It I just can't think of him being chained up. You no, know, that is and and like I don't know because whenever you like said that he was chained up but that he could go inside and outside, I was like, okay, well, that's awful, but maybe not as you know, they're just trying to keep him from runaway. It's a different time. You know, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But the fact that his hair was, like, dreadlocked and all of that because they didn't take care of him. Yeah. Oh. And I don't think he could go outside a lot. It wasn't like, oh, you can go next door. You know, like, that big of a chain. I think yeah, it was I just, like, like picture it go long to enough. a door. You know, like. Yeah. Probably where he could use the bathroom outside. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? I'm just saying. Yeah. 
like they don't seem to be that giving. Yeah. Yeah, I like when you first said it though, like I said, I was picturing like this yeah. long chain where he could kind of go inside and outside, yeah. kind of do what he wanted to. He just couldn't go past like the radius of the chain, you know. Yeah. When his mother died, life became worse for him. Oh my god, how can it get worse? I mean, Jesus. Because no one cared for him then and he was still locked up in that house. And no one ever did anything. So, eventually, local people intervened, and he was confined to a mental institution where he died soon after. God. Yep. Isn't that so sad? I mean, I don't know. How did these wealthy, you know, like highfalutin people let that happen? Because he was an illegitimate son. And mm-hmm. so the So he had to be even worse to him to mm-hmm. be like Miss Crowley probably didn't give two shits about him because uh-huh. she was bitter, which I get. I'm not whatever. But and then he was like, Oh, that's not my son. That's mm-hmm. not you know. Yep. Okay. Another spirit is the pregnant maid and pregnant with Mr. Crowley's other illegitimate child. We can speculate. Okay. Allegedly. Yes. This man needs to keep it in his pants. <laughs> Especially if he's not going to take care of them after. Right? <sighs> okay. So, what is known is that she committed suicide by throwing herself from the top of the veranda of the building. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And it said that her blood still stains the steps that lead up to the house. And her ghostly image is said to hover around the exterior of the building. They tried to clean the blood stains up with bleach, but you can still see the discolorations. Oh, my God. Yeah. They, again, rumored, allegedly, that she told him that she was pregnant. And he was like, oh, fuck no. Yeah. Can't have this again. Already got a howler out there. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um. <laughs> that is so terrible, but so funny. I'm I'm just saying what he would say. Yeah, because he was an asshole. Right. Not me. Mm-hmm. You just thought it. He would have uh, said he, it. He, mm-hmm. You channeled him. Yes. Another ghost is Jack Simpson, Bart's long lost cousin. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he died by putting a hand on Bart's butterfinger. Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> okay. Nobody better lay a finger on my butterfinger. I know. Oh, God. Butterfingers are so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not when you have braces. <laughs> and that's exactly why I never got them. No. Yeah. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> okay. For real, for real. Jack Simpson He was one of the caretakers who occupied the property after 1948, you know, when it fell into despair. One evening in 1961, he opened a door, not a door, the door, the front door. The door. (laughs) Picture it. Capital T, the door. (laughs) So it's like, knock, knock, and Jack is like, who's there? And the door's like, new door, who dis? Right, exactly. But it was someone. (gasps) Who? Yes. 
they shot Jack point blank and he died immediately. Oh my God. Wait, somebody really did knock on the door. Yes. <laughs> yes. We were just doing a bit there, I thought. <laughs> yes. It was a bit that bit you in the ass because, yes, he did. <gasps> the murderer, the murderer, say it. Murder. Yes. Oh, it's so funny. Now, everyone at home, say it. <laughs> just like Carrie. Murder. 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 It's <laughs> an echo effect of them trying. Oh, gosh. Okay. Low budget here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> A.K.A. no budget. Right. Marley's food costs a lot. <laughs> um, and ours. Because we're extra large pizzas. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, his murderer was a local teen who had watched Psycho <gasps> three times before carrying out this killing. So you um, mean to tell me that people were blaming movies before Nancy Reagan? Right. She was a poser. She was not the OG. No. Hmm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> so before fleeing the scene, he wrote, Die Jack, ha-ha, on the shed door. The words can clearly be read <gasps> today. What? Mm-hmm. What did he write it in? I think he like etched it, maybe. Oh, okay, okay, or some, okay. You know, like something like that. I'm like in blood. Oh God. So yeah. So poor Jack. He is said to linger in that area today. He etched it in. That's why you can read it. I think so. And okay. I don't know. I'll look it up. I couldn't find that picture. Okay. Okay. But I'll look it up because okay. it might have been like a marker, but. <laughs> Just see it with a sharpie, <laughs> like the big ones that stink. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> that could double as a sharpie or the psycho, maybe. Yeah, that was his. That's how he did it. He was. That's like, why he chose that marker because yes. he's like, look, it replicates the sound of the movie. <laughs> I'm glad you did it. Which one so. did I do? Did I do the marker or the knife? You did the knife only because you saw me moving my hand. <laughs> I have one story left. Well, it's like a two-parter. You got a twofer. Twofer one? So you got a twofer. This was on Reddit. I ventured over there, kind of got lost, but I'm back. The guy, his name was Oscar Burt. Nope. Oscar Burke. K, not a T. Okay. But sometimes he goes by Oscar Burt sometimes, just to throw people off. I mean, look, you got to keep people guessing. <laughs> He gets more Reddit cred that way. Okay. Okay. It's his <laughs> stage name? Yes. Okay. So he recently went to the MCH. Okay. And this is him writing this. So I'm just going to kind of read some of it because it's going to be hard for me to like. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Switch. Read away. Okay. I'm going to put on my best Andrew Tate voice of Let's Not Meet. All right. I'm ready. <laughs> But don't, fuck don't it up. judge me. <laughs> and don't fuck it up. That is a second RuPaul reference. I love it. Because she is Queen R. Yes. Okay. Oh, if y'all do watch RuPaul's Drag Race, let me know. Hit her up on Snapchat. Yes, because let's spill some fucking tea. All right. He said... 
I was recently a skeptic about the whole paranormal. That was until I visited MCH. I mean, he said it, but come on. Yeah. That's a lot of words. For real. It's supposedly Australia's most haunted house, which y'all know that now, so. You ain't teaching us nothing. Oscar Burt. Yeah, Oscar De La Hoya is all I can think of. (laughs) He also goes by that, too. Okay, he said, this was for my birthday as I wanted the adrenaline rush and I stupidly booked to stay overnight. Mind you, I only got around three hours of sleep. They did say it's either your best night's sleep or your worst. Yes. I mean, that as a hotel tagline, whoa. (laughs) TripAdvisor says five stars. Yelp says... Yelp right on over. Is that a thing? (laughs) I have no idea, but we're going to make it. All right. So he said he arrived at the house at about three and we were the first there. So that's not us. Um, (laughs) No. We're supposed to be there at three. We'll leave our house at three. Right. From another country. (laughs) Wake up at three. Cool. Got it. Running late is our cardio. Yes, it is. Tangent time's over and... We're back to Oscar Burke, sometimes Bert. He said, we arrived at the house at about three and we were the first there. So we were told to wander about and get settled in for the next hour or so. This is where it got creepy. Standing at the front of the homestead to the left, there was a gift shop, nowhere as old as the house. After taking a few pics of the mansion, I wandered over to the left of the veranda and took a picture of the gift shop. When we arrived, the tour guide said to take pictures of the windows because that's where they like to show up. I didn't believe this, but I did anyway. So I zoomed into the gift shop's window, and just as my finger touched the camera button, a little girl's head popped up into the window. What? This gave me a mini heart attack. I jokingly told my dad that I thought she was a ghost for a second, but later found out from the tour guide that her name was Molly... One of the previous young maids who died around 100 years ago. What? She haunts the property among with uh, many other ghosts. And that was before even the scarier stuff happening later in the night and especially staying overnight. After I was told it was indeed a young Irish maid around 8 or 10, I was all ready to get out of there and I hadn't even had dinner yet. Always stay for dinner. I mean... Come on. You paid for it. They said it was one of the best photos they had ever had. Later on in the tour, we walked through the very large house and grounds, and the whole place had a weird aura about it. I could breathe smoke in every room, although I found it much colder in the rooms where people had died in. Another experience I had was when I was touched on the back of the neck. What? Before I went to the MCH, I made sure to wear a cross and carry rosary beads with me to make me feel safer, I guess. Which, side note, he's like, I was a skeptic. But he came prepared. Right. Obviously, as I moved my neck around throughout the night, my cross slid up and down and rubbed me against my neck. And then I died from my starch collar. Just kidding. He didn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sorry. 
However, in one of the more haunted rooms, I was standing in the corner, standing completely still, and the chain slid all all the way across my neck. It just felt so unnatural. Weirdly, out of instinct, I looked behind me, even though I knew there was no one behind me but a bookshelf and a chair. My face would have been as white as a ghost. I don't know. Why? Like, I mean, I get what he's saying, but, like, I feel like he should have said must have been. Yeah, that's... I'm going to change it, Oscar Burke, sometimes Bert. My face must have been white as a ghost. Yeah, I... Yeah. (laughs) Because that don't make no damn sense. Right? Okay. Throughout the tour, it was pretty creepy, as expected, but things got quite tense when an old lady in our tour group was pushed into her husband by something we couldn't see. The same thing that shoved that baby down the thing. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I love your details. (laughs) Okay. At the time, we were in the girls' room where the girls often tug at people's clothes, give a little push, is, (laughs) little pushes. Ah, push it. (laughs) Push it real good. Or smush it, as I thought it said when I was a kid. I thought it said, ah, smush it. Well, and that now means sex, so there you go. Always sexual. (laughs) So he said nothing serious. Although, this did give the old lady a fright as she was so surprised. Lawrence, our tour guide, had to stop halfway through the tour and hand it to his wife, who also does the tour, as two of the ghosts kept appearing and scaring him. I can safely say that this wasn't an act, as we could all see the fear in his eyes. He later deeply apologized, but he'd lately been seeing the ghost on the property more and more. It was only until we went to bed when things got real. The whole tour group, around 20 people, was informed that the whole house was obviously haunted, which included each of our rooms. Okay, so he said they also said that it was common for people to leave during the night. About an hour after we all went to bed, around 11, all of the people I was with, I heard walking around upstairs directly above which would have put it in a room occupied by an elderly couple from the tour. It sounded like hard-soled shoes walking on a wooden floor. This went on for about 30 seconds, and it continued like that for the rest of the night, with about half an hour to an hour in between. By the second to third time we heard it, we knew that the elderly couple could only get up so many more times. Which... You don't know them. I mean, they could be living their best life and in shape. Mm-hmm. You don't know what they do. They might be doing reverse cowgirl. I'm like, look, they may want to be dressed up as someone from the 17th century. <laughs> or... Role play. I mean, you never know. I never thought that I would get used to paranormal things, but by two in the morning, remember, I had hardly slept. I was pretty sick of it. In the entrance to our room, you have to step down onto a wooden step, which ironically creaked. Well, this step creaked about twice during the night, and because I was wide awake already, I was practically crapping myself. (laughs) You have no idea how happy I was to finally see daylight. It was the longest night of my life. 
I asked my dad if he had experienced anything last night, and he claimed that a while after the door had creaked, his shoulder was hugged by a smaller person. He said that the hug felt sad and cold and only lasted about three seconds. I could tell this shook my dad to his core. Mind you, he's not scared of many things. During breakfast, I made sure to ask the elderly couple above us if they had gotten up during the night, but of course they said no, not even once. They said they hadn't heard anything. That information baffled me and my family members as we all clearly heard walking all night. Below is our room, which we were later informed was the maid's room, the most haunted room a guest can stay in. Damn. And so I have that picture. (gasps) Cool. Post, and I also have the picture of the little girl. <gasps> yes. I can't wait to see that. Right? So would you stay at the MCH? For a free trip to Australia? Hells you. Not a free trip. Then no. <laughs> if we, we got were plenty there. of haunted shit here. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't involve a 12 million year flight. <laughs> I don't know. I would. I like to think that I have the guts to stay there, but let's be honest. I don't think I do. Like, I don't. Sleep. Well, one, the dark scares me. So that by itself is scary. Knowing that it could be haunted makes that a million times different. Mm-hmm. Like more scary. Because even if I don't see anything... My imagination. Oh yeah, is so bad. You're gonna see so much just because your imagination. Yes. Well, you know how people have a hungry monster. I also have a sleep monster. Oh yes, you do. So, literally, my eyes got heavy just thinking of the lack of sleep that he got. (laughs) I'm not even joking. So I don't think I would do well Mm -mm. in that. And then I'd have to be with you the next day. No, thank you. I mean, you better give me all the coffee. In Australia <laughs> at breakfast. And don't talk to you until lunch. Yes. When I say, here is your lunch. Because lunch. <laughs> <laughs> by then, my hungry monster probably has come Right. Up. And then I'll be like, because, here's look, a nice Australian for you. Because we were probably at breakfast with all these other people, and I didn't want to look like a fatass and eat so much. <laughs> <laughs> so I was probably starving by lunch. <laughs> you know, I think... The worst part of that story was what actually happened to the people. Mm-hmm. Like, not the haunting afterwards, but the torture that yes. they had. Absolutely. Well, and I wonder why the Lawrence guy who lives there from this guy's story just was, like, all of a sudden so terrified by the spirits that he had to, like, stop leading the tour that night. Like, I don't know if it's... What I think is that he never really saw the apparitions. Apparitions? God, now I'm thinking aborigines. So maybe he hadn't seen them... Like, manifest themselves, yeah. Like, so much, and then he'd been seeing them more and more, and so he might have gotten just overwhelmed with that. Or just, like, the feeling, like, what if he pissed off Mrs. Crowley and she was fucking with him? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Could be something like that. I don't know. Yeah. But I do know what you mean. Like, why was he scared of this? But I'm 
pretty sure it's probably just escalating. Mm -hmm. Maybe. You know, I love a good escalator. (laughs) (laughs) Like you could just stand there. But I do get scared, like, when you're going to step off of it because, you know, short legs again, and I don't want to, like... No, I'm always scared my pants are going to get sucked in and going to be ripped off of me. Well, I normally don't have pants. I have shorts. True. So I'm okay there. Just don't want to fall and rip my shorts. I'm not trying to be naked because they rip off my body. (laughs) You'd be Bruce Almighty. I mean... (laughs) Oh, Lord. All right. What did we learn? One, write your text messages like you're going to have to read that shit out in court. Yes. Make sure if you're going to do sexting, don't say shit like a mouth hug. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Make it like legit and good shit we want to hear. (laughs) <laughs> what porn are you watching? Oh, case files. Mm-hmm. Just, just, I'm a jury member. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, you, all of a sudden you're, you're like, what's that noise? It's like, oh, juror number five has got her bullet out. <laughs> We're talking about the texts. <laughs> Damn. Oh, talk about sticky fingers. <laughs> oh, God terrible all of a sudden like what's it called the murder jacket like the folder file with oh, all the stuff yeah. it's like what what the fuck ew, ew, okay. stretch it no. <laughs> too much too much oh god oh god <laughs> well jody did say she was wet true <laughs> we are terrible people nah <laughs> okay, what else did we learn? Okay, two, be thankful that we did not live back in the day where, you know, they could burn our mattress if they thought we weren't going to work. Oh my gosh, yes. Lock us up and be a wolf boy. If we lived back in the day, like, I don't, like, I'm like, we would probably be the, some of the ones like chained to the fence. Oh, for sure. Like, we would not be the ones in the house, we'd be the no. ones chained. Yes. Oh, gosh. Yes, we're thankful that we live in a time in which we understand, mostly, yeah. sometimes. We're learning. diagnoses, yes. Yes. We're open to change. Mm-hmm. And then three, mm-hmm. I'm thinking something like self-respect. Yes. With... Well, be who you are. Yes, and that's a good okay one. And be okay with who you are. Which is self-respect, too. Yeah. But, like, I feel like had... Travis been able to be himself and mm-hmm. not have such inner turmoil and conflict about his desires with Jody versus his desires to live faithfully in the Mormon church. Yeah. You know, that situation, not say again, not victim blaming, because there are people who have side pieces like Jody who aren't in the Mormon church. I mean, there's right. like politicians and shit that do that. Yeah. Because they are living one life and having this side life that's something that, you know, you do what makes you happy. Yes. And, well, I feel like, and again, I feel like to bring back to Kate Spade like we did uh, last week. I think so. Um, Just with how she didn't feel comfortable to come forward in the public with her mental illness 
And so she hid it and didn't get treatment because she was scared of what it would look like, what it would do to her image. Mm -hmm. And you can be both, you know? It's okay. That's who we are now. We are more progressive. Well, and even, okay, in the Kate Spade example, though, like, nobody has to know you're going to therapy. Yeah. You know, I mean, patient-client privilege, like, patient-client, no. <laughs> Doctor-patient privilege. Yeah. Like, they, they can't tell. And so, you know, there's there are, like, websites and stuff. I think it's called the, the Get Help is the new thing where you can do it all online. Like, you can text. You can do Skype sessions. Yeah. You can do all that. So you don't have to go to a doctor's office. You know, there are ways in which if you don't feel comfortable, like, if, Maybe she felt like a paparazzi or something would right. catch her going into an office and it's like, oh, she's going to see a psychologist. Well, fuck them and use that as an opportunity to be like, yeah. yeah. Be an advocate for it. And I understand sometimes you're not in a place where you can do that, where you can be that advocate, where you have to, yeah. you're barely surviving on your own. Yeah. You know, so that's fine. Do something like the get help where it's at home or there's help available. Yeah. Yeah, and again, not victim blaming, not shaming. Because sometimes you're in it so deep that you can't even see your way out enough to even begin to get help. Yeah. That's very true. But be who you are. Love yourself. Don't try to hide it. Yeah. When you try to deny yourself something that is legal and Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, I'm not saying for other... Don't do meth like Travis's mom. Yeah. Don't. That's not. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, when you. Anything. Even like with dieting, when you try to limit so much, mm-hmm. what do you do? You like. Binge. Binge terribly by yourself and then hate yourself for it later. And it's a vicious cycle. Yes. That. I, that's making my language. <laughs> right. So. And you're only just hurting yourself. Mm-hmm. And number four. Ooh. Taking it up a notch. Doing mm-hmm. four, not three. We're getting fancy. Oh, four with the fancy. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Hit me with four. Okay. I was thought you were going to say hit me with your best shot. Fire away. Okay. So, four. You can basically play Mad Libs with your alibi and, you know, just like Jody, I mean, she went through, like, four different pages of she noun, adjective, verb that she just put in. Yeah. Invaders. Space invaders. No, that didn't work. <laughs> Pedophile. No, that didn't work. Um, two girls. One ghost. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's a good podcast, by the way. So, okay, she plays Magabs. We can certainly take her own Pictionary. Oh, totally. Slash the cranium part where you draw. Secret yeah. sketch and cloodles, we got you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the green category, the acting. Unless it's a humming, because I don't know shit about songs. <laughs> True that. Humdingers got her donged. <laughs> <laughs> they dinged my dong. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, remember. Creep it real and, and don't, don't get, get scared. scared.